G'day, it is The Coach here. We are back talking all things spooky ghosts. We are talking Night Haunt, and I'm super excited. I'm always excited. I'm excited for 7 o'clock in the morning on a Thursday. I've gotten up early to talk to a YouTube legend, uh, someone that I've watched a lot, um, and surprised me when he told me not only did he play Age of Sigma, but played an army that was completely irrelevant to his YouTube title. So it's Lawmaster Sotek, and Lawmaster Sotek is a YouTuber who focuses primarily on Warhammer Fantasy and lore and Total War. And I'm like, cool, okay, so a guy called Sotek, who's clearly a Seraphon-based army, must play Seraphon. Maybe he plays Fantasy Lizards, and he plays Space Lizards. But we're here looking Nighthaunt. So I'll let you introduce yourself and maybe explain to me why on earth have you chosen Nighthorn as opposed to going into dinosaurs and space lizards and all those Seraphony type stuff? Uh, yeah. So hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Loremaster Sotek, if you've never seen me before. Uh, like he, uh, a uh, AOS coach was saying, I'm one of the kind of premier authorities in the uh, fantasy uh, community, at least when it comes to like lore and tabletop and art, the RPG. Just, like I, I do just everything. won't do a video except the Carmine vi Dragon video. You just you, refu never. you refuse to do a happen. Carmine Dragon video. It's never gonna. I don't. I don't know what a Carmine Dragon is. They don't. They're not real. Um, but uh, so um, the reason though, you are correct that when when AOS started, I I was a lizards all the way. But um, for me, it, it kind of came down to a thing that when I originally got into AOS, I didn't like change. <laughs> I was like most fantasy players where um, I, I was not a fan of AOS and I hated everything that was different. And one of the things they did that was different was they turned my, they turned my jungle Aztec dinosaurs into space demons because uh, they were actually demons in the first edition. Um they had the demon. They were. Keyword, they were. They were. They were super weird. They 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 were like dreamed up about girl girl like it was like a you know dreamed up type random. Yeah. So and, and... um, I just I just couldn't really get into first edition. Um, like I I played it from time to time, but I just didn't like the lore of the Seraphon. And then when second edition started, um, they released the Night Haunts, and I looked at the minis, and I was just like, oh my god, like these are so cool looking. Um, I just loved the aesthetic. Uh, because I had always loved like Karen Wraiths and Spirit Hosts and Banshees in Warhammer Fantasy. So the idea of making an entire army out of that was like wild to me. And when I bought the book and read the lore, I just immediately fell in love with them. Of Nagash just being a tyrannical god who's inflicting eternal punishment through his own really weird sense of justice. And he gives ironic punishments, which I absolutely love, even though they're so twisted. And just between, like, the aesthetic of the army's mini design and also their uh, lore, I just I just couldn't not... I just I just had to play them. They were just amazing, especially Lady Ollander. Learning about Ollander and Valentian, like, Ollander and Valentian, their designs are so god-tier. I mean, they just look like the perfect bosses for the end of, like, a 200-hour campaign, you know? <laughs> like, they just look amazing. Um... And their lore is fantastic. But I started playing them. Uh, and then for me, the thing that kind of stuck it is that I've always been a stickler for I don't like to play the most um, OP armies in any meta. Um, like back when I played Fantasy, I liked playing Lizardmen because Lizardmen were never the top dogs. Well, there were a couple of times they were, but it was very brief. Um, you know, most of the people who played to win were playing stuff like Warriors of Chaos or Demons. Um, 
and stuff like that. And I, I was just never, never part of that. I always wanted to, I take a lot of pride in finding ways to win with something where you have to like, you have to make it work. Like you have to come up with your own thing. I don't like to like go online and Google what's the best list and then just run that. To me, that's lazy. Um, I like to have like you, you a, obviously you obviously missed the moment where you took um well not can race um Grimgas Reapers and put it in Legions of Nagash, um, which was the the horror moment for a lot of us early on with Night Haunt. That was our introduction. It's like oh, it's just taking spooky ghosts into Legion of, <laughs> of Nagash yeah. and then bringing them back with grave sites. Um, yeah. but I think one thing that was really cool for me just to kind of speed it up, speed up our timeline a little bit. Not to say that you're slow, but just like speeding up things a little bit. Is no, I'm definitely I slow. Love... It's okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, but for me, for me, just before Age of Sigma three launched, and some people may have missed this. Hopefully, hopefully you didn't. But Broken Realms, which was one of the stories that transitioned us from second edition to third edition, gave a lot of love. Probably something that you guys have really lacked for a long time. Which which those those sub sub allegiances things like the Emerald Host and mm -hmm. Reichnor's sub allegiance and I think all of a sudden that has now changed the game for you guys and then obviously at the fact the third edition has come into play and things have changed a little bit. Um, how are you feeling about third edition? Because the general consensus I'm seeing from Nighthaunt players at the moment, and I think it's more of a a fear of missing out, like oh we didn't get this, oh we didn't get this, we lost this. It's a bit not negative, but it's a bit like, oh, we didn't get as much love as everybody else. We don't have the monsters, you know. We we lost the uh, the rerolling one saves because mystical changed and um and uh, yeah, mystical shield changed, mystic shield changed. How are you feeling about them in third? I mean, personally, um, I I definitely feel that Night Hunt are still incredibly strong, um. I think they are definitely a tiny bit weaker than they were at the end of second edition. Um, second edition, um, the, the sub allegiances were, are, are insanely good. Um, and we only have two, but they're both really strong in their own ways. And, and in the uh, book, and it's probably, it's probably worth noting that in the book, in that Broken Realms book, you got some additional battalions. And I know when I looked at yeah, that's battalions, I'm like, I'm like, holy shite, this is really good. Yeah, the, the well, the the battalion that I think was a game changer was the the bodyguard for Lady Ollander. Like it basically made Lady Ollander invincible, um, and they actually changed Dreadscythe Herodons to be okay. They, I, I still don't think they were worth their points, but they were very, they were much better than they used to be, um, with the exploding sixes to hit. And instead of, uh, I think it used to be exploding sixes to wound or something like that. But um, they uh, they got um, just way better, and yeah. um, it that was insane, like just such an insane upgrade for us. But honestly, I think that because our battalions just weren't that great, like you know, every I think virtually every Nighthawk player ran the battalion where we got like an extra D six got a uh, chain rest back um, yeah. by resurrecting. But for us, like Nighthawk, we were never a one-drop army. We couldn't do it unless you're just playing at like ridiculous points to run like a grand procession. But if any, like, if we... anything, most people didn't run battalions because one, you, the battalions didn't work in your favor, and two, you wanted to maximize your um your underworlds rule. You'd go ten drop, twelve drop, fifteen drop just to get more more of those units coming from the underworlds. Yeah, so I mean, for us, I think that honestly, the like the fact that all of the um, uh, 
the things got lost. So um, all of the uh, battalions got booted. I think it was that was a huge win for us. Um, uh, just because, like, there were a lot of armies that had just terrifying, terrifying battalions or just really, really efficient ones. Um, and going into third, like, honestly, I, I just think we've won more than we've lost um, in third. I'm personally really, really enjoying third especially with, um, I think, one of the most punishing changes for third for a lot of really competitive builds was the idea of stacking buffs to get, like, a lot of plus ones to hit wound. And that's, you really couldn't do that with Nighthaunt. Like, you you could, but it wasn't really useful in a lot of cases. Um, most things in the Nighthaunt list that you're probably taking in a competitive sense are hitting on threes already, or mm. they're hitting on fours, but they have reaped like corn, so they're re-rolling against a lot of things. Um, and... Uh, they made it where rerolls became much more rare, which was bad for us on saves. I'll grant that, but it made our practically guaranteed reroll ones to hit with using uh, spirit torments just way stronger. Um, spirit torments went from being like a must take, but like solid hero to a must take, like practically god tier hero, because I'm, and, I'm and white heroes made them even stronger. Just for anyone who's missed the change, by the way, because someone did ask, did you play uh, Nighthaunt in second edition? And the answer is yes. We actually played a game on stream. We won't talk about that, uh, that game. Um, <laughs> you don't want to talk about it? <laughs> no, no. But it's interesting, actually, because that game is, um, that that matchup is actually going to be a, a whole lot uh, more likely now. So um, I was running Sons of Behemoth. Um, obviously, Sotek was running Nighthaunt. And one of the things that we'll talk about very soon, and obviously people who play Nighthawk already know this is working favorably, but in second edition, Sons of Behemoth were not that popular. Most people didn't run them. They, they, they were hard to run, and very few people took them to tournaments. Third edition, for me as a Garkin player, has, has taken them from zero to hero. They are about to become very popular on the table, yet you are a perfect counter. You just laugh at their face because their power and their damage comes from rend. And where, where I was going before when I rudely cut, uh, cut Sotek off was that if you missed the change, uh, Mystic Shield went from a reroll save or a reroll ones um, to a plus one. And as we know, Nighthaunt can't get a plus or a, mo a minus to their, um, to their armor save. So that's a change that you've got to factor in now. But from a rend point of view... Yeah, and I, I mean... People still still do go heavy on rend or rely it uh, rely on it really heavily, and that that's kind of the thing with night haunts is when you're playing night haunt. Ultimately, you're playing essentially an exotic force that changes the game dramatically, and your opponent has to think in really weird ways because you're dealing with an army where everything flies and everything is ignoring rend, which is super weird. So that's like when it comes to movement and uh um combat we're basically just ignoring two like multiple rules in the game um which can throw a lot of people off um especially um which i mean there are notable buffs that have come out of that um something that a lot of people don't necessarily think about is that games workshop um, as far as the rules are concerned has like gotten rid of impassable terrain it doesn't exist anymore as a concept um at least there's no written rule about it so you can land on terrain so with yeah. Nighthaunt, as long as you... Because I think there's a rule where cohesion, you have to be within like five inches vertically. 
Um, yeah, like, even in tournaments, they used to have like they has to have a rule where it was like six inches, and just just because obviously some terrain is really hard to work with. But yeah, but like on. with night haunts, um, you can easily like even if someone has some kind of like goofy piece of terrain next to them or behind them or whatever, you can still like make some pretty bizarre and exotic moves, um, which may not sound like a big deal, but it can be. I mean, uh, like I've literally uh, at my last tournament, uh, my last game was against an ogre player. And he was genuinely shocked when Lady Ollander just jumped up on his mop pot and started just like slapping around butchers. Um, but um, th that's that's kind of the thing with Night Haunt is, and that's something that um, I get. We'll talk more about, I guess, when we get into actual battle tactics. Is mm. that Night Haunts? I also think are one of the most punishing armies in the game for positioning. Like, if you're going to play Night Haunt, I don't think you can play them as an army that just like does that. Like, they have to stick together. Um, I, I, it, I'm, it is possible to play them very aggressive, um, and like really fast, but I think it is, it's just really suboptimal, um, just because they're an army that is so reliant on luck and that, okay, you know, almost your entire army has a 50, 50 chance to ignore all damage. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's the thing. It's only a 50, 50 chance and there's nothing you can do to improve that. Um, except for with the cruel ghast, which we'll talk about, I guess, in a bit. But I wonder if uh, you got a cruel ghast in your list. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can assure you I do. Um, but I'm hearing uh, generally, I'm hearing generally that you know you're feeling very positive about Nighthaunt. Yes, Nighthaunt had some things go against them, but overall, I think you've probably won more than you've lost. Is that a fair assumption? Yes. Um, I, I think just because we came off such a high with getting our sub factions. Um, the army is still um, a lot stronger than it used to be. And, uh, you know, for anyone who hasn't played third edition just yet, because, you know, I I've played some games, you've played some games, um, you might have played some more real life games. I'm in week seven of lockdown, so I can't even like basically leave my house. I can just to get groceries, but uh, I haven't played a real life game of Age of Sigma yet. It's all been tabletop simulator, but there's a whole bunch of things that have happened that you might not be familiar with, folks. Um, so the board size has shrunk, so there is less space. Uh, also, there's less space on the table, which maybe from maybe from your side of the fence how do you how do you find that does that mean there's less area for you to work with for the underworlds um is that actually worked in your favor because there are less units on the table because points went up uh i would say for me for the way i run night haunts it is vastly in my favor uh for one there's a lot less just space on the table so running like uh, essentially a Death Star with a lot of character auras is much easier now because yeah. there's less space that I have to worry about guarding and protecting it against. Um, also, um, the new all of the new battle plans, with the exception of I think one or two, um, generally many of the objectives are closer together, and yes. you only have to control on on average, unless it's a very specific battle plan, you only have to control two objectives. Um, that's a big call out that's a big call out because previously like if there was you playing like a, a battle tactic with six or eight objectives you would score victory points per objective you scored but now with battle tactics and the way battle tactics work and the way you score if you score one in most scenarios like if you have one uh, objective you score one if you have two or more so, so it's not about controlling all of the objective it, it's more about controlling at least two or, or more actually actually there's a there's a, a usually yeah, additional so it's, victory it's, point for having more 
generally it's score one, have two or more, and then yes. have more than your opponent. Correct. That's and the one I'm with, talking about. And with so. a Nighthaunt Death Star bubble, which, you know, the bubble is effectively a 24-inch bubble, that is very easy to do. Yeah. Um, to just sit on two objectives and be like, come at me. Um, and we well, can play hard. defense and offense. You can you can yeah. defend two or three and then send the rest of your force to go out and claim. It's a lot easier now. Yeah, and I will say, um, the, while the smaller board, you'd think that it would hurt Underworlds. In my opinion, it actually doesn't. Just because because points went up, people have notably smaller armies now. And the thing about Night Haunts is Night Haunts points actually did not change a lot. Um, they changed a little bit, but like virtually all of our characters stayed the exact same. Um, and uh, like you, uh, when you've got a big Night Haunt horde moving, because all the enemy armies are smaller now, they really can't afford to just have like a guard unit that's just protecting against a summon popping up behind them. Um, I mean, they can try, but especially with the new cohesion rules, they also can't just string out a unit of like 10 Shadow Warriors or something to try mm. and block you from coming up behind them. It's just not a viable strategy. Um, oh, you can. You can because um, they're on 25 mil bases, which is another call out is the coherency rules have changed and it hasn't really affected you that much because you're not running blobs of 10, um, 32 mil bases or large bases. You won't oh, sure. change. Yeah, where, Shadow Warriors are like, a bad example, but yeah. Yeah, no, no, but like I, I know what you're trying to say, um, but you weren't impacted like um, Soul Blight where Dire Wolves became minimum unit sizes of 10, so moving a block of 10 cavalry is a pain. Your cohesion rules, you work off a lot of, you know, it might be a bit hard for things like a block of nine um, spirit hosts, but generally cohesion hasn't really played uh, too badly with you. And I just want to call out Joe's comment here as well, which is a good one, is that talking about the Dreadblade Harrow's teleport shenanigans, I can see that, yeah, because he said um, that it's not as valuable now in the new edition. And I can probably see that because I, I, I always saw that rule coming into play when the battle well it, it still has value but maybe not as much value because there's less space to teleport around and it is still easier to screen but there are less units on the table so yeah and and i will say that like if your army i think uh if you're playing a night army that is very reliant on trying to pull off like a major surprise of like you teleport a dreadblade hero across the table he lands and then you summon as much as you can into that spot and then attack, then that strategy is no longer as viable because you have a lot less space to work with. I personally never used that strategy. Um, uh, I didn't, I me, didn't, I didn't just to clarify, I didn't say it's not valuable. I said it's not as valuable because there's less space on the table. That's what I'm saying because you used to be able to sneak into a corner edge and it was a lot easier to do in the old edition, but in the new edition at the moment, it's a bit harder. That, just want to clarify what I've said. I'm not saying a teleport's not valuable. Yeah, I mean, if you were going to do a Dreadblade Hero strategy, I, you'd have to do it later in the match, I think. Yeah. Just because um, the shorter... Uh, because, because especially from the sides, like uh, from horizontally, the table shrunk so much. It was dramatic how much it shrunk. Um, that they, they really got rid of a lot of those like deep strike builds. Or just yep. made them a lot harder. And it's like, if you're waiting for a big gotcha to teleport in on uh, turn three, <laughs> you know, but your opponent's going to know what you're up to at that point. But what I will say is there are less hordes on the table. People aren't building as many 
because of the way the objectives are coming in, um, people aren't building out these big blocks of 40 to 60 block units if you happen to work in a, a, in a meta. Even Gloomspike Gits, like I'm looking at Gloomspike Gits list, and people aren't taking the 40 and 60 grots. They're focusing more on the 20s. So you, you, you are noticing that, that there are more wounds on the table, but people are focusing more on the smaller bases because of coherency and they're putting less models on the table just from what i'm seeing so there's still some play with teleporting and movement shenanigans and it doesn't mean that the underworld's rule is useless it's still very valuable oh, yeah. um, but i think to, to your point you've got to pick good timing and i think um i think because of the sh the size the size shrink shrink to the width of the board um means you've got to be a bit smarter with the way you use your your teleporting your your um your underworlds yeah, like uh, we'll talk about more when we get to the list, but like I always have at least one unit in the underworld, always, because there's there's always going to be a moment where, well, in most games, there's going to be a moment where an opponent like goofs up and either moves too far away from an objective so you can just drop on it and take it, or they get a little too, um, they get a little too aggressive and or they just forget about it or something and it's it's still immensely valuable to have an ability where you can say i can put this unit anywhere on the table so long as i'm far enough away instead of just because a lot of armies have like conditional summons of like oh i can summon but i have to be within nine inches of this character um but yeah I'm seeing a lot of in, in the chat. There's a lot of discussion talking about, and I want to I want to bring this over to the, the the actual battle pack that most people are playing right now. So most people are playing in the realm of Gur, which is really rewarding battle tactics and just general play with monsters. And one of the things that you're lacking significantly, and you're not the only faction to lack it, but you are. It's a blaring gap is the lack of monsters. Now, yes, there is the spell Metamorphosis that can turn a, a unit into a monster. Um, you've got the Mongol from Forge World, which is still at this point in time unsure what's going on because it hasn't had a points change for third edition. So is it legal? Is it not legal? We don't quite know just yet at this point in time. But, and a lot of people don't like the Mongol because it doesn't fit the aesthetic of the rest of the Night Haunt. Where do you stand with monsters and what have you found without playing with monsters in your list? Um, personally, I, I have found that not playing with monsters can be an advantage um, that a lot of people don't maybe necessarily think about because A, uh, I run a substantial amount of my army as the hunters of the heartlands. Um, so they're just immune to rampages. So I don't care about the rampages. And secondly, the, if, uh, the thing about having monsters on the table when you're playing the Gur Battle Pack, which is like the only option right now, really, is that uh, you have to be careful with that because every every full battle round, every time you kill a monster, you get a bonus victory point. And I have, I have destroyed people because I just keep getting those bonus victory points because they throw monsters at me. And it's like, all right, fine. Um, I'll just keep eating my free points. Okay, thanks. Um, and you also take away, like, yeah, you don't have the access to certain, uh, I think there's like one, um, victory or battle tactic you can't do. Cause you like have to have two monsters to do it, which you can't have. Um, but, um, at the same time that your opponent can't pick a battle tactic to slay the monster because you don't have mm -hmm. any monsters. Um, so for me, like, I don't find it to be that disabling of a thing. Like the only thing I'm really missing out on are monstrous rampages but if you're that desperate for a monstrous rampage you can use metamorphosis which will give you that 
Or you can always take a monster. Like I know Nighthawk players that are taking Manfred von Karstein as an ally um, because he's just such a stupidly good model. <laughs> like he's literally yeah. just come up. Yeah. And I, and, I, and, and you know, you, you know this cause you're, you were in the chat, but I just had a chat um, on soul blight and um, I had Matt Tyrrell talking to me and Manfred was at the heart and center of his list because one of just the buffs that he does Two, he's just a, such a great support piece, but three, all the teleporty shenanigans that OBR players might know that Arcan the black used to do just like, Oh, I'm about to be hit in combat or oh, I've just taken a wound. I'm going to zip away. Um, yeah, I, I, I despise Manfred's teleport. <laughs> I, 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 one of my buddies plays um, Soul Blight, so I have fought a lot of Manfreds. <laughs> Look, I was running Manfred when he was 440 over in Legion of Nagash, so I'm I'm okay to get on the bandwagon now. Um, I actually took best, <laughs> death, best death, death in a tournament with um, with with Manny, so uh, Manny did nothing wrong. You can't if you don't like Manfred, it means that you don't like Age of Sigma because it was him who helped get us to this point. But overall, I'm hearing, you know, the the changes to General's Handbook and specifically the Battle Pack. We don't know how long we're playing this Battle Pack for. It could be six months. It could be the next General's Handbook. We just don't know how quick. But right now, the Battle Tactics, despite there being bonus victory points up for grabs, you're finding it's not a big uh, a big negative. One Hunter to the Heartland works really well, and I and I'll be honest, I've played, I've been playing with Marathi at the moment. I'm not Marathi Gotrek, don't judge me. Uh, I'm running like a narrative. <laughs> I'm running a narrative, more of a narrative theme, Witch Elf, Daughters of Cain army. But um, one thing I'm noticing with my monsters is a lot of the things that I want to attack are hiding in Hunters of the Heartland, which means you can't use a monstrous rampage. So being smart with your core bodies, whether it's your chain wraths or your Grimgas or whatever you want to put into your army and you think it's going to get into the thick of combat, by putting it into Hunters of the Heartland um, will stop the monstrous rampages, especially what most people want to do is stop you from issuing or receiving a command ability. And things like all-out attack or all-out defense or just a generic um, th command in your army um, denying someone from doing that is is worth its weight in gold. But if you put your core units in hunters, then you don't have to worry about it. So it's an interesting play. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like monsters are they are super duper good in third, but you know people should not get the idea that they're like uncounterable or something. Like there there are ways you can really punish people for over investing into monsters because mm. um, monsters do come with critical weaknesses. And that, like, if your opponent's running a lot of monsters, it means his army's probably not that big. And um, if you get, like, a big surround on a monster, like, he can have, even if he's got, like, a two-up save and a five-up ward, like, you can still throw enough dice that it's going to get through and kill him. Um, especially with Night Haunt. Like, Night Haunts are hilarious at throwing just goofy amounts of dice. Well, it goes back to our game on the Tabletop Simulator where um, I was running my sons. And the interesting thing from most monsters is that um, a lot of them have high damage. Often they don't have a lot of attacks. They often have a lot of quality attacks as, that do high rend and high damage. But my struggle when when we played, uh, one, obviously rolling hot garbage, but two, it was comical, <laughs> comical dice rolls. But more importantly, and something to consider is that the high rent that that was that I could put out meant nothing to you. So um, in the current meta where people are looking at all that defense at the moment or are looking at trying to get as many uh, save bonuses into their army, you don't have to worry about it. But I will say that 
if the meta continues to evolve to be high save, you might find people trying to look for more mortal wounds um, in their force just to be able to handle those things like blood knights, um, you know, superheroes that are on a two up or a three up. And mortal wounds are obviously the bane of your existence, especially mortal wounds at. Well, well, all right, I'll I'll let you go. Go. Tell me, tell me Uh, why. So, so the cruel guest, total game changer. He makes mortal wounds a joke compared to what it used to be. Like, he's just the fact that you can run your entire army with a five up ward save is nuts. Because, not like the only other army that can do that better than us now is Phoenix Temple. But yeah. pretty much nobody else can run. Well, not Phoenix Temple. Sorry, no one takes Phoenix. You're, you're, you're talking. You're talking Phoenix. You're talking Phoenix, Phoenix Guard. Guard. Yeah. Yes. Um, but um, like it's it's it is very very rare that I do not have a five up ward save on my entire army, um, which just like the difference between a six up and a five up is just you can't understate it. It's massive. And when Night Haunts are running with a four-up unrendable ethereal save and then a five-up ward save to deal with mortal wounds, and the thing about Night Haunts, which a lot of people learned the hard way when playing against them, is that if if you allow the Night Haunt player to get his turn and he's got two chain rests left on the table, um, well, not so much, uh, not as much anymore. Uh, the new summoning rule, you do have to be a little bit um, uh, specific. But um, uh, I'm, I'm, by the way, just just a quick challenge. Someone saying that um, the cruel gas doesn't work the way on, on mortal wounds. The way it works is similar to what they do in Daughters of Cain. Um, so we might want to clarify that, folks. We'll put, put that one on pause because we, we, what I've learned in Daughters of Cain is Hagnar used to have a five up reroll. What they've done now is that it's wounds, just regular wounds, are a five up, and oh, you know what, are a he's, six up. He, so he's right. I was wrong on that. I missed that yep. little so, change of text. So on on reg on regular wounds, it's a it's a five up, but on on uh, mortal wounds, oh. it's a six up. But learn something the, new the today. That, but the fact that you've got you know things like the um, amulet of destiny, um, what where I was going with the mortal wound stuff was just that um, people people I'm finding in meta list right now are building more mortal wounds, especially mortal wound abilities and mortal abilities at range. Because if you try to rely on too many spells to deal your mortal wounds, you hit a techless, you hit a supercaster, an Archeon or something, they just go, no, no mortal wounds for you. Come back one year. But if you are doing it with abilities, things like, you know, the Celestial Hurricanum, who can do it at range, that's where I can just focus on your characters and try to take them out. And I think that's where that's still one of your weaknesses. So just keep yeah. an eye on the no, meta. I All I was going to say was keep an eye on the meta. If you start to see mortal wounds... Um, you see mortal wounds being dished out at range and through abilities, you might need to start looking at ways you can tap into your heroic actions to stop down spells or look at ways you can try to maybe put more characters into your list. Yeah. And I mean, the night hunts do still have the six up. I mean, it, it does help. Um, this, the six up uh, ward save can um, still help you survive some stuff. And the night hunts do still have, have access to a lot of healing, a lot of healing. Yeah. Um, and uh, especially with the change to the Mortalis Terminexus, in that because the enemy can't take control of it anymore, the Mortalis Terminexus is like one of the best endless spells in the game, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Uh, because you like, I usually use it as just a big healing bomb. 
um, to just keep my characters like super healthy. Like I played a, a game recently um, in the tournament I took first in uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, I had a Lord Croak who literally, you know, fired off his big booms everywhere and did a whole bunch of damage to all my characters, and I just dropped the Mortalis Terminexus and healed them all right back up um pretty much instantly and um because of the new magic system like getting rid of an endless spell for a lot of people is just not fun like once that endless spell is on the table having to dedicate a spell slot to it is miserable well not just that you've also got rallies so you can spend so i know you've lost the ability to do all that defense but you could spend that command point on um on rally and get the ability to bring back even more bodies in addition to the other you know, summoning and regeneration that's available in your force. So um, yeah. the ability to keep bodies on the table for you is just, I think you you become a big, um, just a big anvil. Just, you know, you you can just yeah, soak up a lot of damage. Rally, uh, rally is great if someone is just like trying to blow the shit out of you with shooting um, as you're like getting close. Um, I find it's not super effective for night haunts just because night haunts, if you're not in combat, generally some, something's wrong, <laughs> like you're, you're in trouble and rally doesn't work if you're in combat range. Um, yes, yes. So, uh, so like once you get stuck in, you're going to be relying on your usual heals, but it's with night haunt, as long as you're playing your cards right and you don't, um, overextend, um, it's generally pretty easy to be able to heal back a just hilarious amount of minis. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, yeah. Uh, and is there any, I, yeah. Nope, go ahead. I was just saying, is there anything <laughs> else you want to add to this? Or actually, I was actually just thinking I might actually bring up the list so I can maybe put a bit more meat around the bone. So um, Sotek has been kind enough to send one of his lists. It's, it's obviously one of many. Um, and it's not to say this is the golden list, but I thought, you know, it'd be great to see where, where his head was at in, in the initial four or five weeks of the game and just kind of getting an idea of what's working for him so far. And again, as the, the meta evolves, as armies be released, as things kind of settle, things will change over time. So don't just take this list and run it at your next GT, but it's a good idea to just kind of bring it all together. But is there anything you want to add before I bring up your list? Uh, no, I think we can just kind of go into it. But overall, I think again, Nighthaunt, you've you've come off well. Do I think that Nighthaunt is going to be a five and zero army, and you're going to you know uh, stomp your <laughs> your next opponent? Are you are you the new Lumineth Realm Lords? No, you're not. No, 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 no. Um, is is it time to retire your toys and let them gather dust for the next couple of years? No, I don't think so either. I, I think they're still viable. I think they still can be a mid-table warrior with some good experience and good tactics. You can still do really well. Um, so don't so don't be be sad, but at the same time, um, they're not your Lumineth. So uh, I don't um no 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 sadness there. But um, so talk to me about this list, man. So you've you've gone Reichnor's Condemned. So that's one of the two new rules that are available through Broken Realms Bellacore. The other one being Emerald Host. Emerald Host really rewards you more for an Alinda focused build, um, and the Reichnor one, Surprise of the Century, is more focused on. Reichnor, but it doesn't mean that you've got to take them. So just just point that one out. Um, why did you go Reichnor's Condemned? And and talk to me about maybe some of the initial stuff there. You know, why have you gone Price Sorcery? Why have you tri taken the triumph triumph of Indomitable? And like, talk to me about some of the initial thinking here. Okay, so I mean, the the, the easiest thing to start with is um, 
I chose Indomitable. It's never going to happen because I'm exactly at 2,000 points. So it's impossible for me to get it. So I frankly just don't worry about it. Um, uh, But um, the reason I go Rykonors is that I think Rykonors has the best bang for its buck and that literally every single rule that exists in Rykonors is useful. Um, Like the item you get, um, the abilities, everything... Um, whereas like Emerald Host, it, there's a lot of uh, there's there's a lot of conditionalness to Emerald Host that I'm just not a fan of. Um, but the thing about Rykonor's Condemned, the big thing for me is that Rykonor's Condemned makes it so that when you're healing Chain Rasps, you get two D6 guys back instead of just D6, which is huge because especially because we lost our battalion. We used to have a battalion that would do that, give us D6 extra guys back um, in addition to the D6 for our normal spell. Um, but we lost that because of battalions going away. So now we can get it through um, uh, unrelenting Taskmasters in the uh, Reichnor's Condemned, which is a must-have for the way I like to play my build, which is that I use my Chain Rasps to basically lure people in and take a lot of damage and then i just you know heal them back up and because a lot of people a lot of people either know what chain rests can do in which case they will try very hard to kill them and then if i try and surround them and smack them in the face or they don't know what chain rests can do in which case they're probably going to lose <laughs> because chain rest just put out an obscene amount of damage um the other thing that reichnor's condemned does that's insane is that um instead of it being for um, normal Night Haunts, the Spirit Torment has an ability. With the Spirit Torment is a, one of our characters. He has an ability where it says um, any unit wholly within 12 inches can reroll ones uh, when rolling to hit, which is really good. But for Rykonor's Condemned, that rule is instead it's a 15-inch bubble and you reroll all failed hits, not just once. And it's probably worth calling out that rerolls because there's so little rerolls. Playing Daughters of Cain recently, and Hagnar gets uh, some really cool abilities with rerolls uh, and just the, the speed that you get your abilities. I have noticed in Age of Sigmar 3, any way you can get a reroll is just worth its weight in gold because they've stripped it so so far back. So um, that's that's a really good call out. And I think for me, I think even when we were talking in second edition, you know, Reichnor's Condemned is such a good ability. Uh, just a general sub-faction. You've got your um, Artifact of Power, that Corpse Candle, which was it gives yeah. you plus three to the cast. Um, you take a Mortal Wound, whoop-de-doo, you heal it yeah, back. Yeah, w- yeah <laughs> it's whatever. Um, um, and and the can... nice thing about... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was, I was, I was going to add the additional, um, yeah, I can add plus one to hit rolls for the bearer in that phase. And like this, like the, the, the command ability, the death comes swiftly rule, um, you know, getting some additional movement and like, it's just Reichnor's Condemned is such a great sub faction. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's like the corpse candle in particular is a bizarrely high utility item um, in that it has a lot of uses in that. Uh, if an enemy gets close and they just have that one wound left or you're just desperate to bring something down, you can snipe an enemy and you're just like, boop, you take a mortal wound and I get plus one to cast. Um, but what I tend to use it for is I really like to save it for when like all of my characters are really hurt after like a Lord Croak spam or something or someone's trying to like snipe my characters or someone's really hurt my chain brass and then I'll hurt myself 
get plus three to cast. And if my characters are all hurt, I'll summon the Mortalis Terminexus. And if my chain rest were hurt, I'll use that plus three on bringing out um, 2d6 chain rest back, um, yeah. which is just like, and plus three is genuinely hard to stop. There are not a lot of characters in the game that can easily deal with a plus three cast no there's a couple of auto unbinds you know again you come up against techless auto unbind the lord uh, the knight in cantor no knight in cantor yeah knight in cantor um there's a couple of auto unbinds but yes in, in most cases a plus three is enough unless you roll like a yeah unless you roll really bad if you roll like a double but, one like other other than that like you you're gonna yeah, get it off but the nice thing is that it's Nighthaunt are thankfully one of the factions where um, their spells are really, really strong, and it can genuinely make your opponent like really not happy when they have to choose between do I stop his healing or do I stop his spell that makes me always strike last or do I stop his spell that gives his entire army plus one to hit me and I have minus one to hit him. Like those are it's a nasty. Um, just triple slam on like the spells that night haunts have available are very, very, very strong. Um, and, and I think the other thing as well is um, you might force your opponent in their heroic action, not to heal their leader or try to generate the additional command point. It actually can be, you could always force them to try to get that additional unbind just to stop your wizard. So um, because you're right, there are a couple of key spells in there that you definitely want. Like, like whenever I see soul cage, I want to stop that straight away. Um, like I hate Soul Cage with a passion <laughs> as an opponent, yeah. obviously not as a Nighthawk player. But, uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like there's a couple of spells. And if it means that I need to get that additional unbind, as much as I want to generate that extra command point, because command points, there are so many more ways to spend CP right now. Um, there's just also a spell I've just got to get off. I've just got to stop it. Yeah. And like, and, and just to the last thing I'll mention with Reckoners Condemned, of course, is the command ability, which... Um, the thing about Night Haunts is the one silver lining to like um, Mystic Shield and All Out Defense not working on Night Haunt is that those are just things we don't waste our time on. Um, mm. So that's a command point. I don't need to bother saving. And that's also a spell slot. I don't need to bother saving because I can't use either of those things. So I can use them elsewhere. But the Death Comes Swiftly um, is actually, I think, a, a command ability a lot of people sleep on. Um, but it is absurdly strong because as long as you keep your night haunts close together and like a nice character bubble, being able to pick a unit of chain rafts and give them an extra six inches of movement, which you combo with the item I have on the cruel gas, the pelt into the fell wind, which gives a, a, a three inch bonus to movement. That's plus nine inches. So they're, they are without running moving 15 inches, which on how small the table is, like you can just. And you're a flying unit. So, like, there's literally nothing stopping you from just going yeah. wherever you want. Um, and yeah, I've, you I've, can sit on an objective. You can board, de deny them from getting... There's a whole bunch of things you do with plus nine movement. That's just... what. So, what does that make your general troops? Like, uh, what's a base move of, like, your chain rock? So, the, the, slow, it... the slowest thing in the Nighthawk army is six inches. Which yeah, is... I was going to say. So, you're about, what, 15 inches kind of average minimum kind of thing. Yeah. Um... But that's what I, I think the pendant of the. I guess if I, I guess I should start talking through my list, huh? Um, well, yeah, we, we can talk about the list now. I, I just thought I, I thought I'd just put some thing, some thinking around, like you know, why price sorcery, 
um, you know, you've obviously got a lot of battalions as well. Um, so like what, what drew you to those particular uh, battalions? I thought I'd just yes. kind of like get some context and then we can talk about some of the choices there because sure. I imagine so, the first thing people are already saying is where, you know, why, why no dread sides? Uh, why have you taken Reichnors without actually taking Reichnor? Why is it a Lady Alinda in Reichnor? Like, like, oh, a lot of questions. Reichnor. Oh, Reichnor. Such a cool looking model. I just, he's just not good, man. He's so quick, quick good. one, quick one, just quick one. Price sorcery. Why price sorcery is your grand strategy? Uh, because frankly, when I looked at all of the options for um, uh, all of the the things, I like to choose defensive ones because ultimately your opponent can play denial. If you are choosing a grand strategy, that's like you have to kill something of theirs. They can play denial where they just run away from you, and it's hard to stop that a lot of the time. So I don't like those ones. And then for me, it came down to um, Battleliner Wizards. And frankly, yeah. I have found that because I run my characters as a Death Star, so it's units and then characters in the center, it's very, very hard to get to my characters. And most of my characters are wizards, or half of them. Um, my oh. Knight of Shrouds, the Guardian of Souls, and Lady Islander are all wizards. So to kill all my wizards, if, if you manage to take down all three of those guys, you've probably tabled me. Um, because they are going to be at the center of my force and they are hard to kill. They're very tanky um, when it comes to like saves and stuff. Um, and I have a lot of healing. So if they're dead, I've already lost the game anyway. Um, I found that it's just the most reliable strategy and that I can also play keep away. You know, if I know a game's coming down to it and I've like maybe accomplished a battle tactic or I know if he gets the battle tactic, I'll lose, um, but I'll win if he doesn't then I'll just take whoever my last wizard is and just run away. And um, you've also got things like um, redeploy as well. So if someone goes to charge in that last hero, you know, spend that command point, move uh, in the charge phase, the, the additional D6, and you can kind of retreat them away and make that charge harder or maybe deny them the charge altogether. So, um, yeah, with the amount of heroes in your list and obviously knowing how Nighthaunt plays, which is shoot the heroes, and if you can kill all the heroes in Nighthaunt, you normally kind of disarm the force. So if you've got them still on the table, yeah, makes it makes complete sense. But yes, hold the line, which is obviously keep your battle line um, on the table also works. But I, I, yeah, I, I can see why you do that. Yeah, I just, I find in my experience that if like, it's very normal for my entire battle line to get wiped out in the game. It's very unusual for all of my characters to get wiped out in the game. So just from my experience in the way that I like to play, where frankly my characters are more of kind of the threat core, because as long as they're alive, they're just buffing everything, um, even each other, so they can be very dangerous on their own. Um, whereas like my core units are disposable. I don't really care if they die. Like I, I will get the best mileage I can out of them, but if all my battle line die, whatever. Uh, if Lady Allender's yeah. still alive, I'm fine. Um so that and that's kind of the thing is that to me my wizards are not disposable i need them to be alive in order for things to be grooving but if my battle line all get wiped out uh, that's a sacrifice i'm willing to make so for me price sorcery just makes the most sense cool so let's let's talk about the the list choices so obviously we don't have to go into exact detail if we don't want to but you know you've obviously got a couple of leaders in fact you i think you fill in all your leader slots you've got your guardian of souls with the nightmare lantern which is the general uh, command ability of ruler of the spirit hosts and the corpse ca corpse candle which is obviously the Reichnor artifact you've got to take um that might be something new folks so when you take a sub allegiance you the first artifact you take must be 
the artifact from the sub-allegiance. So um, if you don't want to have that chosen and you don't want to take a battalion to get an extra artifact, then maybe Reichnor or the Emerald Host is not for you. But you've got your Corpse Candle, which is auto-assigned, and then you've got the um, the Spirit Drain, which is the Lore of the Underworlds. You've also got a Knight of Shroud with the Soul Cage. You've got the Cruel Gasp with the Felwind Pendant. You've got um, Kurdos, you've got Alinda with uh, Shade Mist, and you've got a Spirit Torment, and you've wrapped this up in a double Warlords Battalion. Yeah, and for me, the, the big thing there was I really wanted those uh, double, the double items, because the goal for me was to run, uh, I wanted every possible buff to make my Death Star as Death Starry as possible. So I took every single hero um, that I could um like if there had been a seventh slot i probably would have tried to bring a seventh hero <laughs> with the can race or like a yeah some cheap uh, hero. If, I could, if i could have brought like a knight of shrouds on horseback oh that would have been awesome um but um these guys are the best in my thing so i kind of have like a, a theme for my army which there is a there's a tactical reason behind it too but i'll admit that the initial goal for my list was that i wanted lady allender and valentian on the table no matter what and i tried to build around that and this was the best build I found works with the, the wedding couple. So um, the, th the thing about them is that um, they are kind of the powerhouses that do a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, and they hit really, really hard. And they have super annoying abilities. So people really want to kill them. But because I'm running um, this Death Star behind them, it... Um, makes it um where the death star can do a lot of the work because a lot of the times people get overly focused on valentian allender um valentian in third edition is got so buffed it's not even funny like his second edition version was garbage compared to his third edition version in that for one command points are much more valuable now and also much harder to get and for some reason, Gates Workshop said, oh, yeah, Valentian can steal command points in both hero phases, not just one hero phase. So let me so, pause you on that one. There's a couple, couple of quick ones there. Uh, yeah, thank, thank you for clarifying that, because some people may not have looked at the Kurdos, uh, the Kurdos rule and the ability to steal command points in this game is super frustrating because it makes me either one my heroic action has to then go to be trying to generate a command point back and um that's only on a four plus unless my general's dead which then i'm losing a command point anyway so one that's super annoying um and two i just wanted to ask you a really quick question before we, we continue is what's your thoughts on on emerald host with a similar type of list would this kind of work with emerald host or given that you got a linda um, or do you think this would change dramatically if this looked like a Emerald Host list? Uh, it would change dramatically. Emerald Host doesn't have any synergy with this build at all. Um, Emerald Host does one, sorry, two really cool things. The two really cool things that it does is that you pick a character and you give them minus one to their save. Though I've, I've had some debates with players in my local area about how exactly that rule works in regards to does the minus one from emerald host is it a minus one to your characteristic because in the sense that with the plus one mine or with the plus one max for save if you like target archaeon and he goes from a three up to a four up right well then with the plus one to rule system 
would it count as it being four as his save now? So he can only go to a three up maximum? Or is it that he's kind of been rendered by one so he can still go down to a two up? Because I'd, save... I'd, have to, I'd have to have a look at the words. Yeah, right. Because it's, it's, is it, is it a minus one like rend or is it a characteristic change? So I'd need to look at the rules. Yeah, there's been a lot of argument about that, which I, so that's a huge kind of eh already on a, on a rule that oh, you can only pick one character who you give that minus one safety, which is good because a lot of people do tend to run big stompy guys right now. Mm. Um, and if it, if it, if it does like make it where they cannot get to a two up anymore, then honestly, I could see that being worth it on its own. Um, there's a lot of a- there's a lot of heroes there's a lot of heroes with all that defense that do become around the two plus so they become this unstoppable tank monster so if that is true and if that does work out to be that way and whether it needs faqing or we need a, a rules as written type uh interaction um it might be worth looking into because that could that would actually be really good right now with a lot of monster heroes in the meta yeah and the other thing with emerald host that's good is that um, there is a rule where you get a bodyguard. Um, your, yes. your general functionally has a bodyguard, but they only are bodyguarded by hex rates. So mm. um, so this build would be completely not viable. And also chain rasps are garbage in that build because they don't get reroll alls to hit and you also only get to resurrect D6 guys instead of just 2D6. It's just, it, it, this build would not work with Emerald. If you're running Emerald no, Post... I, I, um, I just, like, I, I just know there's going to be a lot of people who are going to ask oh, yeah, about yeah, Emerald yeah. Host because they're like, oh, um, you know, I really want a Linda to work in Emerald Host. It's obviously I think narratively... Emerald Host is good, but Emerald Host, you need to be running hex rates, son. Like you gotta, you need to have lots of hex rates because they're just really, really good. <laughs> you know, this, get, this like... one really rewards you with Glade Wraith, um, Chain Rasps, and Chain Ghast. Like this, this is yeah. definitely more of that type of build. Yeah, if you're if you want to be like, I want to make a really tanky character. And I want to like fly across the table with like an almost entire cab army, then Emerald Host will work for you. But I will tell you that I Emerald Host just does not have the utility of Reichnors. Just it just doesn't. No. I agree. I agree. I think I think I think my my personal opinion, if I was running Nighthorn, Reichnor, unless I had a really good reason to go the other way, I think Reichnor just stands out. And I think it was hot hobby. Um, hubby who said the same thing is like you know emerald host pales not to say it's rubbish but i think it's just a, a lot of the way that i would build my nighthawk list definitely goes down the right route that yeah. um cool no we kind of acknowledge that just for anyone who's who's begging for an emerald host kind of discussion also the item for emerald host is garbage <laughs> it's one of the worst items in the game i think it's terrible yeah i remember i remember going i remember looking at the corp at the corpse candle just going holy shit yeah corpse um, candle is amazing plus three emerald host i would rather just not have an item <laughs> it's like oh plus one attack on a knight of shrouds Woo. <laughs> but, it, and it, but, but more importantly it forces you to take a battalion that then requires you to get an additional artifact so yeah, because your first artifact is signed you've got to find a battalion to get that extra artifact just to kind of get something that you might want to use but yeah. all right we've talked enough about emerald host back to the Reichnor, the Reichnor train um so you've talked about the the wedding couple um so i, I want to talk about valentia and Olander just a bit um as far as so please. like just focusing on valentia we talked about stealing command points um granted it only goes off on a five up but since you oh yeah that's the important thing to mention about reckoners i forgot reckoners does not have a command trait that's also why it's amazing emerald host does have a command trait 
if you run Rykonors, you can take Lord of the Spirit Hosts or Ruler of the Spirit Hosts, which you should because it's amazing. Um, uh, which we'll get to that in a minute. But well, um, Tucker Ray said the same thing. He's like giving up Ruler of the Spirit Hosts is just a tough sell. Which yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. But uh, Valentian, um, I will say honestly, if you get if you steal like two command points over the course of the game, which is very likely, I feel like he gets his points worth. Frankly. Um, especially when you get into the second phase, like say your opponent takes, I've noticed that Valentian is at his prime. If an opponent gets a double turn and Valentian manages to just snatch one of those command points, that is brutal because for a double turn, someone has, you know, they're like, okay, I'm going first. If Valentian rips away. So they're like, oh, I generated one command point. And my second mm. one, I only get on a four up. Like that is devastating. Um, and Valentian also can really punish people when you, when like you as the Nighthawk player, or well, it doesn't matter who it is, but where, like when you get into that second phase of, or that second turn of the battle round, so your opponent is waiting to get that extra command point for their general still being alive. If Valentian snatches that and you're like, oh, now I've got two command points and you've got none, like, like I've been in games where it just completely changes what's happening. Because they're like really reliant on like a certain ability. Like I fought Manfred von Karsteins and they go in with that like plus one to hit and wound aura or whatever it is. And Valentin yeah. eats the command point, and suddenly they can't do it. Like they don't they don't have any command points. Um, and for me, but, like if, if you if you steal like obviously, you know, faction faction command abilities aside, um, you could stop me or you could make me have a hard decision or stop me altogether from doing unleash hell and shooting shooting units in the charge. It could stop me from doing a rally or a redeploy. Or if I'm concerned about inspiring presence, it means that I'm not spending any other command points during during that turn because I'm keeping my one soloed commander point for inspiring presence, which I may or may not even need. So you've made a really tough choice for me as an opponent if you can nick that command point. Yeah, and, and most importantly, it also gives it to you, the Nighthawk player. So suddenly you've got a bonus command point you weren't even intending on that you can now spend uh, on something. Though, granted, we don't synergize very well with a lot of the command abilities right now. Uh <laughs> More importantly, you stole it from me, which is just far yeah. worse. Uh, and the other thing is that the, the other thing about Valentian is that, frankly, he hits really, really hard. Um, and a lot of people don't realize how hard he hits until he gets up close. If you're running him in your Death Star, then he is guaranteed to be hitting on twos, re-rolling ones, and wounding on twos, which is a lot. And the thing about Valentian is that all of his attacks are at minus two rend, which is very respectable. And he uh, does D3 wounds normally, but if you roll sixes to wound, he does D6 wounds. Um, and it is not unusual for him to walk up to something and just just suddenly do like 10 wounds easily just with his scepter um the the only bad thing about valentian's design is that whoever designed the nighthawk book wasn't thinking very well when they wrote his scepter rule because it's like it gives him rerolls to hit which is you already get <laughs> everything else i don't know it, if it was rerolls to wound his scepter would be awesome but um but and of do course you, do, you, do you think it's worth using all that it's not all that defense um uh, their finest hour on him. Um, do you find that as a, a useful, like that once per game, go in there and just go super say on with, with only, that rule? Only if um, your only if your guardian of souls is out of range, because the guardian of souls gives you plus one to wound already. 
So like Valentian, you're passively sitting at a two up as long as he's in range. If he goes out of range, then your finest hour is worth it. Or like if you're fighting like where I fought this the other day, if you're fighting an ogre player on like a thunder tusk and he gives you minus one to wound, it can also be worth it just to keep you at a two up. But mm. you can't go better than a two up. So their finest hour is completely useless on night haunts because it gives you plus one to save, which you can't have. And then plus no. one to wound, which you can't have. <laughs> which is why I wanted to call that out because if you do move out of that bubble aura, awesome. You've got now a way to get a plus one to wound. Minus, yeah. yeah, obviously the plus one save means nothing. Um, or if you do find yourself in the aura of a frost phoenix or you do find a, a minus one to wound, uh, you've got a way to get back to a, a two plus. Yeah, it, that's true. It's not useless. There are times where it can come in handy and it makes Valentian or really any of the Nighthawk characters very scary in a fight. Um, Valentian is going to be your heaviest hitter, though. Um, granted, his damage is kind of woo because he's doing D3 and D6. So there's no guarantee you're not just going to roll a bunch of ones and he'll whiff. But he does also have a spirit host unit attached to him, essentially. So he does get five bonus attacks, just like uh, Allender does, that do mortal wounds on sixes, which never hurts. Um, but that's Valentine in a nutshell. Like, he's got a big stick, and he steals command points. Honestly, i take him alone for the steal stealing command points. And if you're lucky, he'll kill some stuff. Um, though, rely if you run him up against a unit that has, like, a three-up save or worse, he will probably do devastating amounts of damage. But I have noted that he can struggle a lot against those two-up monster characters uh, because they will use their monsters' rampages on him, which is a bad time. Uh, mm. And a lot of them are like a two-up save, and they'll usually have like extra save to deal with rend. So it's really hard to keep them at that two-up. Like you know, I went up against a Stonehorn with Valentian. And he had that combo where essentially he was just at a two-up save, even with the minus two rend. Because he's like, oh, I reduce your rend by one, and then I've got this other thing. So I'm at a two plus. And, you're, and when you're dealing with that, Valentian's not going to cut it. But that's where Allender comes into play. Because Lady Allender is a mortal wound bank. She deals so much mortal wounds, it's hilarious. Um, Lady Allender is a great wizard. She's got two spells, which is always awesome. No bonus to cast or dispel, but two spells is still nice. She has one of the best spells in the game, in my opinion, uh, which is Grief Stricken, where you have an 18-inch bubble, you pick a unit, you pick an enemy unit, your entire army gets plus one to hit that thing, and that thing gets minus one to hit your entire army. So mm. if someone like throws Archaon at you or a big stone horn or something like that, if you hit them with Grief Stricken, it is a game changer. Um, that minus one plus one uh, combo. And then I also run her with Shade Mist, which is minus one to be wounded. So if you like, um, I've had a lot of games where someone will try and fight Valentian and I'll throw Valentian in against them and I'll hit him, the opponent with Grief Stricken and I'll hit Valentian with Shade Mist. So now they're minus one to hit, minus one to wound against Valentian or anything in my army. doesn't have to be a character. Like my Chain Rasp board is, I will often grief strike who they're fighting and shade miss them because they're so big and minus one to hit minus one to wound is brutal mm. um it is as a gets player who throws around minuses to hit and wound like it's candy or as i said in another video like you know dollar bills at a club um yeah like it's, it's <laughs> minus minuses to hit and minuses a wound you know make your army so much more durable and my gets are only like a six up save so they they, they die to a stiff breeze. But when you add that minus one to hit and minus one to wound in the fact that you're ethereal and then you can bring back bodies through summoning, it just makes that 
20 or 30 wounds in a unit, almost like 60 units, 60 uh, wounds, just because of the amount of durability in that list. Um, yeah. So don't don't sneeze at the minuses. Yeah, and but the biggest thing about Molander is that she can deal mortal wounds through three different ways, mm. um, and they're very hard to stop, which is the nice thing. Well, they, they can't be stopped because um, they're abilities, and that's the thing. They're not spells. Um, and, I, and, and, I, and I mentioned that earlier. I mentioned that earlier in the show. If you can find a, a mortal wounds through abilities, they are very valuable right now because there's a strong spell casting meta that will they'll, they'll try to deny you. There's a lot of spell casters out there that will stop your spell casting. Outside of the the um, the corpse candle, you don't have a lot of big bonuses to cast. So yeah, keep that in mind. Any abilities with mortal wounds, grab it. Yeah, and, and another thing is that there's actually a good number, and I think, frankly, a growing number of things in the game that are starting to have ward saves specifically against spell damage, um, which mm. abilities also get around that. Um, like the Cruel Boys seem to have a lot of that. Um, and Kragnos does that too and stuff like that. But um, but for Allender, the, the most annoying thing, for, I think, for most people that fight her is her Veil Lift. So Allender, every uh, every friendly hero phase, you just pick a unit within 12 inches and you roll a dice. And whatever you roll, as long as it's not a one, you deal that many mortal wounds. Just hmm. There's no way to dodge it. There's no way to prevent it. As long as Allender doesn't roll a one, she's doing guaranteed damage as long as she's within 12 inches, um, which is really painful. Like even on big monsters, if you especially if you roll a four or higher, it's just a lot of mortal wounds. And then if Allender's within six inches, which is frankly a little close, um, even though, she, you know, you kind of want her in combat, to be frank. But uh, if she gets within six inches of an enemy hero, she can also throw her hourglass at them. And when you throw the hourglass, it's a guarantee, guaranteed D6 wounds once per battle. Um, it can also be used as an emergency first aid kit because you can throw it at yourself or a friendly hero. Um, I was gonna. To I was gonna say most of the time I see Alinda as the 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 wound the the regeneration machine. So I always find her. She sits at the back. She avoids things, and um, I, I can't even say avoids like the plague anymore because like clearly we're not really <laughs> too, that. Too close. it's not too it's close. not a thing. It's not a thing anymore. Yeah. But you know, I always find Alinda sits at the back. She has her bodyguards, um, and she just heals, heals, heals. Just regenerates, regenerates, regenerates. So it's interesting hearing you using her offensively because. I've never seen her used offensively because either A, I try to kill her as quick as possible, or B, she's just sitting so far behind chain rasps or some type of, you know, big unit that she just keeps bringing them back and they're just a never-ending horde. I mean, don't get me wrong. She is sitting in the middle of a Death Star. So, like, I try and make it where she does not get into combat unless it's my decision, not my opponent's. Like, I keep her more than three inches away from the chain rasp front line. So something can't like walk up and reach over and smack her. Um, she eight wounds. She's eight wounds or something. She's seven wounds. So she can sit in a in a battalion, which is great, and not take up one of those um, leaders. Yeah, I mean she's a leader, but she's a sub leader, not a, a main yeah, leader. Yeah, none, so. none of the Nighthawk characters are above seven wounds, um, which is so awesome. They, which is great. Yeah, that's how they're all able to fill out the Warlord very nicely. Um, the other thing with Allender, um, so yeah, you have the Hourglass as an emergency heal kit, though usually I use it for damage. Because honestly, what I tend to do is right now, because so many people are running like Archaon or just big monsters, I usually try and lure in the big monster and then get Allender within six and just try and go for that, like that Hail Mary 12 mortal wounds in the hero phase, because that can flat out kill a lot of characters, um, especially when they're surrounded by like a bunch of other nonsense. 
But uh, the, and then the last thing she does is that uh, how do you kill a model with a two up save? You throw Allender at it. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so uh, Tomasco, that's what we were saying earlier about there's so many things in the game right now with a with a two plus save or a three plus save, um, whether it's through Mystic Shield, through cover, through all that defense. Um, what you, the, what you need is mortal wounds, especially mortal wounds through ability. So you're either playing with um, a sheer weight of attacks. So uh, again, going back to my witch elves, you know, I can get witch elves with like three or four attacks um, each. So I'm just throwing a, a massive amount of dice and hoping for all those ones. Or you're looking through mortal wounds to avoid the, the armor save and just go straight for a, a ward save. So any way you can get abilities that do mortal wounds um, will help you get through those two plus armor saves. Yeah. So already you're looking at that usually guaranteed D6 mortal wounds every hero phase, as long as you're in range. Uh, you can throw the hourglass as an emergency. Uh, and then during the shooting phase, at the start of the shooting phase, Lady Ollander will scream at everything within 10 inches. Um, so you literally go down the line of every single enemy unit within 10 inches and you roll 2D6. If you beat their bravery characteristic, they take D3 mortal wounds, which you may think, oh, well, like... That doesn't sound super good, but you have to remember that Night Haunts at base subtract your leadership by one if you're within six inches of them. So they, like, Allender, even against leadership 10, she knocks that down to a nine, so there's still, like, a one in, I don't know the exact statistics, but, like, it's not, it's not impossible. But against most things where it's, like, their leadership eight normally or leadership seven, and you knock them down to a seven or a six... At leadership seven, you're I'm going to be beating that like fifty or tying it fifty percent of the time, and that's just free damage. Like I don't have to aim, um, and Allender. It's a really really good way to punish uh, uh, MSU MSU armies, um, and it's just a really effective thing. And if you're uh, playing with terrain rules, which I think you're supposed to, but I know some clubs are kind of in about it. Um, like if you can find a sinister piece of terrain and get Allender to like get people near it then things get fun um i do miss the old horror ghast um the, the old horror ghast used to subtract bravery by another minus two which would make mm. allender hysterical at dealing damage because it was practically guaranteed even at bravery like if someone was bravery 10 i knocked them down to a seven like i'm still gonna yeah. get them uh you can't do that anymore which is a bummer but um yeah she's just very very effective and if she has to get into combat which granted you really shouldn't have her in combat uh, unless you're just unless it's like a uh, easy kill like when i was finding an ogre player he thought he was safe by having like his butchers in a little club and i just flicked allender over there and she tore him up because she gets yeah, three I mean, she's attacks. no vampire she's no vampire lord on zombie dragon you don't no. send her up in the middle and just like you know go crazy like no you've no, got to pick she, your battles yeah she does have minus two rend which is great and she does do d3 wounds and she'll be hitting and wounding on twos and twos if you have her in the buff aura uh, with three attacks so like she can't hurt and like she's really good for if someone tries to surround you and like get in behind you like they send a fast unit around the back and try and come in to kill your what they think are your squishy characters Allender's great for turning around on those guys and just smacking them to death um and the other thing about Allender that i failed to mention is she does heal a lot she's a great support character not only uh, whenever she lifts her veil if you kill a model with that, so like you just pick a model, a unit of guys that have one model each or one wound each or whatever. If you kill a mini um, with uh, her lifting her veil, then she heals, um, which is great. She heals herself. 
And she also has a command ability I don't use often, but when I do use it, it can be very strong, which is called No Rest for the Wicked, which is that you pop a command point and she resurrects a model to every single friendly unit within 12 inches. Yes, yes I've, um, I've, I've, I've had that happen a few times to me. Uh, yeah, and it, it annoys me. <laughs> like if, if you have like, if like Valentian ate a command point and you're like, okay, yes. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with this extra command point. You could just pop No Rest for the Wicked. Because um, yeah. like a body's a body. Um, uh, it's not as strong in my list because I'm not running a MSU list. If you're running an MSU list, it's like a terrifying ability. And that's and that's where I fought them. Like it was, I think it was like um like five or six MSU units of chain rasp alone. So it was just yeah. these hordes of little units. So yeah, bringing back one each plus the all the additional healing um can work quite well. Um yeah, and there is a lot of healing in this list for bringing back models because Allender can bring back uh, a model using no rest for the wicked which i still have a decent amount of units and it's really strong on spirit host because it brings back a model <laughs> so yes, not, a, not like, a wound a model yeah, here's a, so. and, and that you know that's another point for emerald host as well if you're running heavy hex wraith msu that's a really strong ability but yeah. um the other the but the big the big player the king of this list a lot of people underestimate is the guardian of souls um so he's my general and he is hilarious um, because he gives a plus one to wound for everyone within holy within 12 inches. He also has ruler of the spirit host. So every hero phase, I pick a unit nearby and I resurrect D3 models for free. Don't even have to do anything. I just get that. Uh, then he's got the corpse candle so he can send off a super spell if he needs to, if I need like a really big heal. Um, and then I give him the spell spirit drain. Um, spirit drain. I don't think is a spell people traditionally take, but because I have so many wizards, um, I used to run Spectral Tether, which Spectral Tether is you pick a hero and heal them for D3. But because the Mortalis Terminexus already does that and it heals all of my heroes for D3, so it's just better, um, I decided that I'd rather have Spirit Drain, which is you pick an enemy model within 18 inches and you roll a dice for all every wound on their wound characteristic and for every six they take a mortal wound, which may not sound great, but if you're fighting Archeon or someone's running a... I've had someone run a Stonehorn in my face with like 15 wounds or whatever. That's a lot of dice. I roll those dice. I've done six mortal wounds. Um, yeah, with that's, a spell. An, that's enough to bracket. And that's enough to bracket them that's able to um, you know, significantly reduce their, their profile um, before they even get into combat. Yeah, I will say it's a spell I very rarely cast. The only time I'm casting Spirit Drain is usually if I've already summoned the Mortalis Terminexus and all of my units are at full health. So, so like, it's like, well, okay, I've got this 18-inch damage spell. I might as well cast it. Um, but his job is to summon the Terminexus or um, use his War Scroll spell to summon 2d6 Chain Rest back. That is his job. Um, and the Mortalis Terminexus is incredible right now. Um, it goes I off on a pause. 7. I, pause, I want to pause you there. I've got two, I've got two rapid-fire questions before we move sure. on. Sure, sure, sure. One, one mongols where are you at with mongols so we don't know what points it is and we don't know how forge world's relationship with third edition is just yet but let's assume everything remains the same as it was where are you at with the mongol is it worth considering in a night haunt list as a monster as a bit of a mortal wound dealer as a bit of a combat beat stick with its minus to hit generally where are you at with the mongol you can run it it's too expensive for, for how squishy it is and for what it does, I think it's like 30 points too expensive. Um, you can take it. It'll, like, it hits 
surprisingly hard and it does a lot of more it does a lot of mortal wounds on a good roll but the black coach kind of does everything the black the morgul does and it also has a ton of utility abilities and also has a map wide threat uh, it's not that's a monster that's true um but like the reason like if you're running a morgul the only reason you're like if you're like man i really want a morgul over a black coach the only reason i can think of for that would be that the morgul has uh the minus one to hit aura which is okay but um it's definitely not as good as it used to be back in the days where you would like run stacking minus ones uh you can't do that anymore so if you run a morngul um it's like it kind of makes allenders grief stricken not as good um so you're losing a little bit of utility there uh or rather she can do that granted it's through a spell and the other thing is that one monster especially a morngul which is rather squishy as far as monsters go in that he's sure he's got a four up ethereal, but he doesn't have a lot of wounds, and his res his he you cannot heal him. That's the main problem. If you're playing night haunts, the only way the Morgul can get wounds back when he takes damage is by killing enemy models. Yes, yeah. Or if enough enemy models have died and he's inside of a Death Star with a Spirit Torment right next to him, so the Spirit Torment can feed him wounds. But if you're running a monster, it shouldn't really be hiding in your Death Star. It should be out, like, smashing flanks and stuff. And the Morngul just isn't designed for that. It's 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 meant as, like... It's kind of meant as a Death Star monster. But I just don't think... It's so expensive. It's nearly 300 points. Mm. Um, and there's just so much more you could do with that. Um, th that are just way stronger. Um, I, I just don't think he's worth the points. Unless, like, if you really like the model, I think you can build a list around him. But you have to build a list around him. He does yeah. not complement other lists very well. Yeah, he's not, you don't chuck him in and just hope for the best. I, I will actually and clarify one thing, is that you can still stack your minuses. So you can still get minus two, minus three. But it's more as a countermeasure for any pluses. So um, if you were to get a, a minus two to, to hit... Uh, you might force an opponent to use, you know, all-out attack or some type of. It might be a good counter, so that if there is a plus one to hit and a minus one, minus two, you're still ending at a minus one. So, but if there are no pluses, then yes, it's 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 useless. So just yeah, just a, a I, small. I will say I would have liked the Morngul a lot more if it had an ability to, um, if it had more wounds, because I think it only has mm. like ten. It's only got ten, and it's a four-up armor save, so. Yeah, and because just, you've lost Mystic, because you've lost the Mystic Shield of rerolling ones. Yeah, it's a bit I, sketchy. I, I used to take a Morgul in every build, um, but even in Second Edition, I found it's just way too squishy. Um, I found Morgul's actually as a really good ally with Legion of Blood with Neferata's minuses, so you get a minus yeah. two. But again, that's changed. Um, that so that was an elevator, but we won't do too much. And then finally, um, any thoughts on allies with with um, with with Nighthorn? I know you we've talked already about. Allies. We've talked Manfred. Yeah, we talked Manfred um, as one pot potential option. Take Manfred or Prince Vordry or just like a zombie dragon. <laughs> uh, if you want, Death has some really, really good monsters. Um, and I that that is what the ally slot is for, in my opinion. Like, if you're wanting to run allies with Nighthaunt, um, none of the characters, I think, are none of like the regular buff characters are particularly good. You can't resurrect dead units or bring dead units onto the table through night haunt and legion of grief no longer exists um so you can't do that either so um i, I really think the only thing you're going to be using ally points points for 
is for um, monsters. Unless yeah. unless there's a death character I'm not aware of that gives you reroll to wounds, if there is a death character that can give Night Haunts reroll to wound, that would be worth taking. But I don't think that exists. No, uh, because and a lot of the is like super rare. And a lot of the old legions of Nagash, which used to benefit um, you a lot because it would base, be based on the death keyword as opposed to what's now become Soulblight. They've yeah. updated a lot of the War Scrolls now, so it's boosting. So there used to be a, cool, a couple of things like you bring in a vampire lord on foot that would give you a boost um, as an ally. But again, yeah, so a lot of that synergy is lost. But yeah, there's a lot of monsters in there. You might be run Neferata, you might run a Vampire Lord or a Terror Geist or something. But um, cool. I just, I, I just want to quickly acknowledge yeah, that. Yeah, no, no, it's um, great. A couple of people. Um, yeah, so you've got that. Um, any other things you want to call out from a leader's point of view uh, before we move on to those units? Uh, yeah, just to quickly explain kind of just the basic role of what everyone else is, what everyone does um, of that. So the Cruel Gas Cruciator is there to give that five up ward save against wounds uh not mortal wounds <laughs> now that i know but wounds plus his shooting attack is surprisingly dirty at sniping off annoying things um he his shooting attack is really reliable because it's four attacks at a 12 inch range threes to hit threes to wound minus two rend at one damage um which may not sound like a lot but it's surprisingly good at just kind of picking off wounds on really tanky things because that mm. minus two rend is nothing to sneeze at Especially at range, because even a lot of abilities that mitigate rend tend to only do it in close combat, not at range. Um, mm. So he can usually like put surprising amount of damage on people. And the other thing is a funny fact about Night Haunts is that the Spirit Torment, most of the Night Haunt abilities only work in melee, but the Spirit Torment's reroll ones to hit actually just is reroll ones to hit. So with the Cruel mm. Gas, you can reroll ones to hit on that three up to hit. And he also, uh, but it's just a nice shooting attack, and having a five-up ward save against wounds is invaluable. Like, there's there's no other. When someone comes at you and they're just throwing a lot of dice, a four-up unrendable save followed up by a five-up ward save, that's very, very tanky. You're going to mitigate a lot of damage, unless your dice are just by the way, big love and shout out to to Hellstorm Wargaming. Mikey, I think, has just raided the channel. So uh, like a good Viking that he is, a big raid. So thank you for all the people who have jumped on and said hello. G'day, g'day, g'day. Welcome. Uh, this is really cool. And we are talking all things Nighthorn if you are just jumping in. But um, this, yeah, this is this is really cool. I'm really liking your, your hero choices. Obviously, you've got a good, strong uh, – look at all these, all these emojis. I'm loving it. <laughs> but <laughs> never yeah, so the – the cruel gas is there to provide the increased save, and he also can just yeah. pick people. And because he has the most wounds of the night haunt generic characters, uh, well, besides the one that I'm not running, but the the cruel gas can actually run uh, has seven wounds instead of six, so he's a little tankier because he's big, I guess. And so I put the pendant of the fell wind on him, and the pendant of the fell wind gives everyone that starts their movement phase within twelve inches of or holding within twelve inches of the cruel gas plus three to their base movement which is huge like that is such a big deal it makes mm. your army so much faster um three inches is massive and well, uh, and, we've, and we've already talked about the plus sixes as well so you, you could really get some super super fast units on the table moving yeah. onto objectives moving away from your opponent uh making them harder to score potentially uh, and one thing one thing that you mentioned uh, as an off comment that we haven't really talked about just yet 
is denying your opponent a battle tactic. So getting some additional movement and getting, you know, stopping them from getting the ability to score the battle tactic can be really powerful as well. So getting extra movement and getting away from your opponent, don't underestimate it. Yeah, but playing an army where you're not cav and yet the slowest thing in your army is movement nine is nothing to sneeze at. Um, and then the last two guys, the Spirit Torment, he just lets everybody reroll. Um, I would actually say for combat purposes, he's the most important character, which is why I don't run him with an item because I want to make him the least valuable threat so that people hopefully will not target him. Uh, I think a lot of people don't think about the Spirit Torment because the other thing he does is he heals. Because the Spirit Torment, if you if if four enemy models die, doesn't matter how, but if four enemy models die that uh, by the start of the battle shock phase, then the spirit torment can pick a friendly unit within, I think six inches and heal D three wounds on them. And he can resurrect dead models. So you can just bring back D three chain rats or heal D three wounds on a character or heal D three wounds on your black coach, which normally cannot be targeted by healing abilities. Um, so he is invaluable as a support piece, which is why I don't put an item on him <laughs> for, to try and not make him too juicy. And then the knight of shrouds, um, he has a plus one to hit aura for a command ability. Uh, so at the start of the command phase, you could spend a point and he gives all allies within 12 inches plus one to hit. So it's basically all out attack, but it's an aura. You know, yeah. easy, which, easy which, win. Yeah, massive. It's huge. Uh, yeah. And and um, people probably, if you haven't looked at the way auras work as well, it's worth looking at the FAQ because um, the way auras interact and still being able to receive a command ability despite being within an aura bubble um, makes it an, an, a really... Anything that gives you an aura bubble as well um, becomes very powerful. So just keep that one in mind. But um, I, I just want to quick, quickly call out that um, uh, Archfey made, made a good comment as well. No, not that one. <laughs> it, was, it was another one. Sorry, not Archfey. We had another comment, which was Felbats and uh, Corpse Cart with the um, the Brazier. 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 Um, are also good ally choices as well, especially if you want to like avoid things like Unleash Hell or if you want to get like, cheap bodies, you might look at a Felbat. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I'm seeing, I'm seeing as well. Like I was looking at the data from AOS reminders. Um, people seem to like the Terrorgeist as well as, um, as an allied monster. Obviously, you're able to do mortal wounds on sixes from, um, from its fanged claws. There's a lot of cool things you can do from, um, from the Terrorgeist. So, might be worth it, but you would lose a few things if you're looking for a monster. Yeah, and then the last thing for the characters is just that with that Midnight Tome, it makes the Night Shrouds a wizard which is like a generic item that exists, but the Night of Shrouds version I think is a little better because he can take from the, it, it's, it's something we've always had, which is just nice. So it makes the, it makes the Night of Shrouds a wizard. So, you know, he gets an unbind, he gets a dispel, he gets a single cast. And I gave him Soul Cage because he's going to be in the fighting. Because Soul, Soul mm. Cage is very short range. It's only 12 inches. Um, so for him, I just keep him right behind the front line for that plus one to hit aura. He also hits very hard himself four attacks and with his aura he's usually going to be twos and twos re-rolling fails to hit and he does two damage um which is just very reliable damage uh minus one rent he's not going to be you winning you any major duels but he can actually he can slap people around a little bit um and so together the thing that i really like is that all together this means that everyone within a 12 inch bubble in my army is plus one to hit plus one to wound, re-rolling ones to wound unless they're chain gas, in which case they re-roll all fails to wound, and they also have a five-up ward save against all non-mortal wounds. So that's the buff 
on everybody within 12 inches. So two things. First, Wawa Wawa, we that's crazy. Um, and, and just to clarify the whole Death Star stuff, so that's obviously what they're talking about is you've got this big uh, bubble or aura of, of a bunch of like troops that are just moving together in a single force, which is why what Sotek said with the, with the pluses to hit, the pluses to wound, the re-rolls, you're moving them together as this cohesive force and just maximizing all those benefits within that the, the range bubbles of at 12 or 18 so that they just unleash their full potential. And then once you've done the damage, you can kind of spread out, take up more objectives. And because the objectives are shorter on the battlefield, it means that it rewards you for these Death Stars a bit more than what you used to do in the past, which was you might have like a, a, a unit of troops with one or two support heroes, and then you'd have these three little forces that run off. So Nighthawk kind of seems to work a lot better right now with this Death Star. Yeah. People that are raging me about the dread side, the Haridans. Like, like a hundred people have already said, like, where are the dread sides? I, like, I really like dread side Haridans, but they're really expensive for what they do. Um, like, just, I, I will say they got vastly buffed in Bellacor, um, because they give their minus one to hit aura at I think bravery seven now instead of bravery six, which is pretty solid. Yeah, it went yeah, it went up to seven. And yeah. they also got it where their attacks explode on hits. So they get two hits on a six instead of what it used to be, which is that they were damaged to when six to wound, which is just way better because you rolled yeah. to hit first. So you're more likely to get all those explosions. And you also, you know, get the bonus character. But the thing about the Herodons is that they have a short range. They have a one-inch range. So they fall prey to the new um, piling in system or the new cohesion system because the they're, they're on thirty twos, yeah. aren't they? They're, they're fat. Yeah. Um, so they you have to run them in kind of that unique build, um, and they don't Death Star super well um, because well I'll talk about the Blade Geist in a second uh, about why I prefer Blade Geist, um, but like I think the the uh, Dreadside Herodons are good. Don't get me wrong, but to me, the thing about them is I feel like I am paying for their um, I am paying for that bravery ability, which I just don't feel like I'm going to get a lot of mileage out of that in hardcore tournaments, just because most of the things in tournaments are going to have very high bravery. You're going to be finding a lot of bravery 10. Um, a lot of demons. Bravery. There's a lot of yeah. death at the moment. And if you're fighting anything bravery 8 or higher, you don't get the minus one to hit. And you can only reduce bravery by one now. Now, when you could run a horror gas, I think Dreadside Herodons were awesome. Um, but like, so you're not going to be getting that ability a lot of the time. And the biggest thing for me is that they need fours to hit, um, which I really don't like because that means at best I can put that down to threes, but I can't reroll twos. Blade Geist Revenants, on the other hand, hit and wound on threes. So with Blade Geist Revenants, I'm hitting on twos, rerolling fails to hit, wounding on twos. And they both have minus one wound. Um, except, uh, like, the Dread Sights, they do have a lot of attacks. That's nice, too. But when the Blade Geist charge, they get they also get a lot of attacks. Um, but it's not enough, but not, it's not enough attacks to handle these two-plus armor saves. Yeah, so like, I, I while, definitely... While they get a lot of attacks. Yeah, I, I, I definitely could see the argument for Dread Scythe Herodons. I just really don't like that they need force to hit. And I feel like the minus one to hit aura is too conditional. Uh, but I, I can like definitely we... see the argument for it. 
And look, like we said at the show, this is not the one one list to rule them all. You're not gonna um, you're not gonna go five and zero with this list in every single tournament. It's just an example we've put together to show off how the rules and AOS three is coming into play with the early thinking of Nighthorn. But as the meta settles, um, you know, when you know if GoTrek continues to run rampant around the mortal wounds, mortal realms, we might start looking at solutions within this book. We might see a new contender. Like who knows what's going on, but. Right now, as it stands, this is kind of some of the thinking. But yes, it doesn't mean that dread sides are rubbish. Um, it just means no, that great. in this particular build, it's just where we're yeah. Yeah, we're not, yeah. We're not... dread, side, dread sides are awesome. I just I just find the blade guys better for the way I like to run them. Mm. G- give me the high level overview, probably because we, we could probably spend 10 million years talking about each of the units <laughs> and you know, yeah. like, like you know, I've, well, I'll just I'll just tell you how I run them. It makes yeah, sense. Well, yeah, what's what's yeah, so what's the high level here's, stuff here's with the, you know. Yeah, here's the bubble. So I run my chain rasps as two ranks thick um, in the front. There's 30 of them. So generally they're like 15-15-ish. Um, and their goal is to make like a semicircle that I hide everything else behind. And um, the reason I run them two ranks deep is because they have a one-inch range, but they have less than an inch base, so they can reach over each other to attack. Um, and with all the buffs, they're running at two attacks, needing uh, threes to hit, rerolling all fails, and threes to wound, re-rolling ones to fail. Because Chain Rats have a special ability where if they have ten or more guys, uh, they re-roll ones to wound. Um, which is just, like, you're practically guaranteed to almost get every wound. It's insane how reliable they are dealing a lot of damage. Which at two attacks each, at two ranks, uh, you can get a lot of hits. I have genuinely shocked people at how much damage they do. Uh, they don't have any rent. That's their only downside. Um... Uh, uh, but behind them goes the Grimgas Reapers, which will generally run like seven wide with like three guys to keep them in cohesion. And the reason is that the Grimgas Reapers have a two-inch range. So if the Chain Rats get attacked, the Grimgas Reapers can reach over them and they have two attacks each. Um, they'll, with all the buffs, if I get all the buffs on them, they'll be needing threes to hit, re-rolling ones, unless the enemy has five or more models, in which case they re-roll all failed to hits. And wounding on twos with minus one rent, which though that stacked layer alone has won me games. It's super um, consistent. It's just super consistent your damage output. Yeah, and that's that's the core of the army. Like that's the heart of the army, and that's why they're hunters of the heartlands. I made them hunters of the heartlands so that they couldn't have that command ability disable put on them, and that the monsters just can't do shenanigans to them. Um, so just, then, just for anyone who doesn't know what Hundreds of the Heartland is, it is one of the two new battalions that sit in General's Handbook 2021 Battle Pack. So it's not a permanent thing in this game. It's just right now in this Battle Pack. And the big benefit in that is going to be is that you cannot use a monstrous uh, rampage on them. And the monstrous rampage most likely to go on this unit is there is one that's called Raw, which on a 3+, plus will mm-hmm. stop you from spending or receiving a, a command point on that unit. So um, it doesn't stop you from inspiring presence. It's only in the combat phase. But if you have a command, uh, a, a combat command, whether it's all that attack, all that defense, whether it's something in your army that gives your, your army a boost in combat, um, they can shut you down. But by being in Hunters of the Heartland, um, which is only troops, not heroes, not monsters, not artillery, it's just troops, um, you can stop up to three of those units having uh, a monstrous rampage against them. So um, 
really quickly on monsters before we transition is thoughts on the mega gargan do you have any opinions on the mercenary mega gargan i'm not a fan um i think if you brought in the abilities of the sons of behemoth which is a count as 20 against an objective i would have a different opinion on mega gargans but the fact that they only count as five i'm yeah not the it, biggest fan i just feel like you can get a cheaper monster that's going to give you more utility um, I think it's just too day. many points. I, just, I think it's too yeah, many points against the list. It's just it's a big sacrifice. Like, where do you find 500 points from this list? Are the mercenary ogres even still legal? Because their points didn't get updated. Uh, I think their points have always been the same points as the Mega Gargan. So you just use the points for okay. um, the Gatebreaker. I think they've always been, they've never had an individual war scroll. It's just a different set of rules. Uh, okay. But yeah, I, I mean, if you if you like it, you can take it. But I don't think it's going to do you any favors competitively. <laughs> Um, oh, the Dreadside Harridans just keep coming up in chat. People just, they're just, they're just so passionate about Dreadside Harridans. <laughs> well, he's probably asking about Dreadblade Harrows. Um, oh, oh, the Dreadblades. Sorry, I'm just, I'm, I've got recency bias. I'm like, we'll just, we'll just keep talking about it. Cool. Uh, keep going about lists. Uh, okay, so that's like the front, front layer. Then what I'll usually do is if my opponent is playing an army that can like be really all over the place, I will put the uh grim gas reapers or sorry the um blade gas revenants the chain gas and the spirit host in the underworld no matter what no matter how the game is going unless it's the battle plan that does not let you put stuff in the underworld which there is a battle plan that does that yes um um i always put the spirit host and the chain gas in the underworld always um just to give me kind of like an extra bank to counter someone if they're trying to do some weird shenanigans or if I need to suddenly appear on the other side of the table, spirit hosts are a really good harass unit that are very good at like minding their own business. Cause you just drop them on the table um, and they each have six attacks and um, you're just fishing for sixes. They have six attacks each and on sixes, they deal mortal wounds. So you roll 18 dice and just hope you get as many sixes as you can. Um, and they have a four up save. So uh, they're very effective at being dropped on like a shooting unit or like a wizard or something that's like not really well defended. Like if I see my opponent has like a necromancer and he's like kind of in the back and I see I can drop at that outside nine inches and maybe get a charge on him, I'll go for it. Um, because the, the spirit hosts are like, they're, they're just a bonus cookie for me. Um, the chain gas are a support unit that are like a just in case where um, the spirit torment, his rule where he's got that aura where he gives everyone reroll ones to hit. Um, if for some reason I need my army to bubble out wider because maybe I'm trying to like hold on to two objectives that are further apart or my opponent is like coming at me from two directions and I'm trying to like hold them off or something, the chain gas extend the aura of the spirit torment by another 12 inches. So you drop them 12 inches away and they give you another 12 inch bubble. Yeah. Um, so it becomes a 36 inch bubble instead of a 24 inch bubble, um, which is pretty great. Also, their shooting attack hits surprisingly hard. Uh, there's only two of them, but they do D3 attacks each, hit on fours, wound on threes at minus two rent, um, which can be really good for just pinking someone in the head. Um, and they're, and you know, it's... And it might be ahead. worthwhile. And if you've got that extra command point from uh, from, from Kurdos... Yeah, stand and shoot. Worth, I was going to say, it might be worth Unleash Hell, although you do get minus one to hit if you use Unleash Hell, it just gives you another tool in your toolkit, especially knowing that you can't use all that defense. Yeah, and um, the but the big thing with the Chain Gas is one of the ways I really like to use them is I'll actually usually let the Blade Guys Revenants go off by themselves. I'll let them go on like a suicide mission 
Because the thing about Blade Geist Revenants is they are mean. Blade Geist Revenants on their base profile are two attacks each, threes to hit, threes to wound, minus one, uh, minus one wound. However, if you run them um, with, uh, if you, if they get the charge, which in my army, because of the plus three inches to movement, they have a base of movement of 11 inches. Um, so they can move really fast. And if they get the charge, they get plus one attack. So they're hitting on, so they get three attacks each. And the thing you can do that's really cool with them is if I run them off by themselves to like go take an objective that's being guarded by like a tiny unit or like there's an isolated character who's not like a super stompy monster or something, I can throw the Blade Geist Revenants at them and I'll summon the Chain Gas and put them outside nine of that combat. But since they're wholly within 12 inches of the Blade Geist Revenants, even without the Spirit Torment, the Blade Geist Revenants get to reroll all failed to hits with the chain gas so you just drop them down and they're in range of shooting they have a 15 inch range on their shooting attack for some reason um and i don't know how the they board, the board size is shrunk as well so that 15 inch is going to get more value because you might go yes. oh 15 it's not that large but actually with the shorter sizes and the ability to get into combat or into the middle of the board quicker that 15 inches is actually quite generous yeah, and so it makes a really nice little strike force because threes to hit, re-rolling all fails, and then threes to wound at three attacks each on like six or seven guys being in range. That's that'll hurt. <laughs> like that, that's pretty nasty. Um, and the and the last thing is that the black coach goes with them, or he goes by himself. The black coach is a nightmarish monster, or it's not a monster, but it's a nightmarish piece. No. Anyone who's ever fought one or Nighthawn has probably fought a black coach and has probably hated it. It is a mean, mean piece. Um, it's a love-hate relationship. I'll be honest. It's love-hate because um, as an opponent, I strike before it powers up. So I'm obviously at the mercy of my opponent. If you get lucky with those dice rolls and you power up that black coach quickly, I know I'm in for a, a you know like a, a big missile coming at me. But if yeah. I can chip at it before it powers up, um and you know you you don't get uh, enough of those successful rolls then that's my time to strike and i can usually neuter, neuter it pretty quickly yeah the the thing about the black coach that's so funny is that really you just need it to get to power level two so you just need two four ups over the course of all the battle rounds because at power level one it gets the ability to heal itself and resurrect d3 models hmm. so like if i'm going for a good strike force because i'm trying to contest like something big I'll send the Black Coach, the Blade Geist Revenants, and the Chain Gas. And they'll all work together as their own little squad um, That because the Black Coach is able to resurrect dead models. So he'll be resurrecting the Blade Geist Revenants to keep them good. And sometimes I'll like send a character with them. Like the um, the Knight of Shrouds is kind of my like character that I can afford to throw away because that plus one to hit aura is good. But if I like really need that ward save on my guys or just a support character, he can go with the strike squad and I can just use all out attack or grief stricken um, to get that plus one to hit. Do um, many of your units have, just thinking about this, do your units have a lot of champions in it? So can your no. units issue commands? Uh, uh, some of them can. The Chainrass board has a unit champion. Actually, no, they all do. They all do. Okay. Um, the the, the Chainrass board has a unit champion. The Grimgast Reapers have a unit champion, and the Blade Geist Revenants, who I send by themselves in the FAQ, are an elite unit. So all of them count as unit champions. Yeah, okay. So they can yeah, I was declare... just thinking about. I was just thinking about that, because if you don't have a unit champion, um, you're going to need some type of hero to support them so they can self-buff. 
Yeah, so, um, yes, the Blade Guys Revenants can hit themselves with uh, command ability. So they can give themselves all attack for that plus one to hit, even if they're off by themselves. Or if they take a lot of damage and you're worried about morale, you can pop um, whatever it's called. Or if they, you know, or if they kill everything and there's like three of them left over there, they can throw a rally on themselves, which can be really good. Um, and then the uh, the last thing in that list, uh, well, we've talked about the yes. black coach. The black well, coach. We want to talk about the the endless spell. We have we, we I sidetracked you. You're about to talk about oh, yeah, the, yeah. the heroes. So the mortality talked Nexus. about the. This yes. thing is so goofy. Um, they they tiny nerfed it, but it's so good. It's it's I the nerf made me laugh. So the Mortalis Terminexus has a 15 inch summon range, which is stupid already. So you can drop well, you you summon it with a wizard. You can drop it anywhere within 15 inches. The second it lands on the table, you can either speed up time or slow down time. If you speed up time on a you roll a two up for every single unit within six inches, not hold within, just within, and on a two up um, for each unit, they take D3 mortal wounds. So if your opponent is death starring or he has a lot of support characters, a lot of wizards, you just go, boop, and it just starts blowing up. Um, uh, if you reverse time, it heals D3 wounds to everything within six inches. So if someone does a lot of damage to my characters, because I run them all together in a little squad, I drop it right in the middle and it heals them all D3 wounds, which usually has them back to full health. Um, and it, doesn't, it, other... doesn't bring, it doesn't bring models back. No, though. it so cannot I mean, resurrect models. Correct. So if, if you're, so this is going to be great for things like your spirit hosts or your multi-wound models. If yep. you had your, is it chain rasps or grim ghasts, you know, which have all yeah, this. It's, you know, it's, it's definitely for your characters or the black coach, really. I mean, yeah. that's, that's where it's going to be going. Um, but the thing I love about it so much is that like, I've had plenty of games where I'll drop it um, like in the enemy rank. Cause I'll summon it on turn one. Cause turn one, like 15 inches is usually enough. Cause I play very aggressive with my night haunts 15 inches. I can usually reach across the deployment zone with that. Um, not always, but sometimes. Um, it's very, one thing I've learned in Age of Sigma 3 is how how generous those auras are now are. Like I was playing a game against Legion of the First Prince, and I played against this um, the Corn Demon Prince, and it has an ability to halve your movement within an 18 uh, – how you're moving in charge or your run in charge within an aura of 18 inches. And when I was playing the game and I put in the and my opponent put the model in the center of the board, 18 inches kind of around it takes up most of the board. So you'll be surprised, like, while 15 inches sounds like uh, it's not too much, again, with the reduced size, both the depth and the width of the board, you'll, you will affect a lot of the board. I can't stress that enough. It's just the radiuses and the impacts of the board changing. Um, once you play it, you realize how generous that is now. Yeah, and I, I will say I have noticed in 3rd edition that going from TTS to playing in person is weird feeling because in person – it feels like the auras are not that long. <laughs> like it feels like everything is really short on TTS. It feels a lot bigger. I don't know why it just does. Um, but um, the big thing about the Mortalis Terminexus is that, and the most important thing that people, you cannot underestimate about this thing is that in the new endless spell rules, it goes off every hero phase. Yes. So for it, like as a damage dealing piece, it is brutal. You just drop it over there. 15 inches, and it can move 8 inches every hero phase, which is, like, it's a fast endless spell. So yeah. you just Yeah, that's, that's another really that's another really good point, is the fact that it happens in both of the phases. So, um, really, really good. So you could use it. So could you, can you go one side 
speed up and then the other one turn it down so in your yeah, phase you, every you hero do, phase you just say what it does it's like cogs awesome so you could be so, double healing or double damaging um yep. in a battle round so like yeah if you're desperate for a heals and you get like a double turn you can heal yourself twice or if you throw it like generally what i'll do is if i don't need it for the heal i'll throw it at the enemy it'll land among them and it just follows them unless they yeah. dispel it which is going to waste a spell slot so it just and follows I, them around, just going boom, 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 boom. Which is, and I, and it's, to, mean. And, <laughs> it's a mean spell. And, <laughs> and to answer Jonathan's question, I'd probably say Emerald Life Swarm is probably a bit overkill for this army yeah. because you've got so much healing and regeneration already. Yeah, the, the thing about Emerald Life Swarm is I, the only reason I could think I would want Emerald Life Swarm would just to be to have another annoying endless spell that my opponent may be forced to waste a spell slot during his turn but i don't think that's worth like losing some models um maybe Emer maybe maybe in the other side like maybe if i was doing the emerald host with more of those multi-wound models if i was running more spirit hosts i was running more hex raids maybe there's an argument for it but i, yeah, I but think it's probably a bit overkill the, the fact that the mortalis can just flip um to either being a heavy damage dealer or one of the best healing pieces in the game um for characters and that the night haunts already are probably one of, if not the best, like when it comes to bringing models back on the table between Lord of the Spirit host, the um, Spirit Torment, who brings back D three guys. So that's that's D three guys for Lord of the Spirit host. I get guaranteed start of the hero mm -hmm. phase, start of the battle shock phase. No matter whose turn it is, as long as four enemies died, whether in combat or from shooting or whatever, I get another D three guys back. And then if it's my turn. Um, I can use No Rest for the Wicked to get another guy back from Lady Ollander, and I get another D3 guys back for the Black Coach if he's within 12 inches, and then I get, uh, if I need to, I can cast a spell to get either D6 guys back for summonables, which is everyone in my army, except for my characters, or 2D6 guys back if it's my Chain Rasps. Like, I can bring back a lot of minis. There's enough. There's enough. You don't need Emerald Life Swarm. Um, yeah. But, but but if you want, awesome, do it. But I think you're right. I think it's a bit overkill. <laughs> it's, I think yeah, overkill is enough. There's enough inbuilt regeneration that you don't need it. Um, and yes, Jonathan, stop it. He's already dead. Well, actually, the opposite. <laughs> stop, like, stop, stop it. Stop it. You've already you've already hit your your um, unit limit, so you can't go over your your limit size. Um, imagine that imagine you could actually go above just with through regeneration you, you and summoning like it's just like you start with 10 yeah. and you end up with like 50 chain rasps in each unit i don't i don't think it's necessarily like a viable tactic but can't zombies do that can't they go above their starting size this is not the zombie show like <laughs> going down this rabbit hole um but yeah the, the that's, it's a great endless spell it, it did go up in points but the reason obviously is because you get to use it twice you get to use it in yours and your hero your opponent's hero uh, your yeah. opponent's and they can't well, so. they can't take it away from you unless your wizards die um, correct correct so because you're predatory um uh, it's controlled as long as you stay within 30 inches of it um and uh and your hero doesn't die the person who summoned it so yeah. if, if the person who summoned it dies then you lose control of it but uh, assuming that wizard still is around you you remain in control and you can speed up or slow down time with it yeah because that that was the thing is that it used to be a horrible endless spell because it could be you would like summon it to deal damage and then they would heal or you would summon it to heal yourself and then they would deal damage um so it was terrible it was stupid but now it's amazing because you don't lose control of it 
and um, it's it's the, the debuff they did was so silly. The only debuff they did is that in second edition it was it guaranteed did D three mortal wounds, and then in third edition they changed it to it has to do a two up. <laughs> that was that was the only thing that changed. It was like, <laughs> okay, fine. yeah, but there'll be a time where you will roll that one and you'll just like just it does happen. It, it does happen. But no, this is this is really cool, man. I, I really like the list. I'll just show it back up again for anyone who might have joined us late. That um, you know, I've I really enjoyed this list because it's it's just showing off that um again, you know, early on I've seen the Nighthawk community being really down, and I think they focus too much on what they've lost, and that would be things like the the re-rolling ones to their save. I think that was the key thing. And then they doubled down on the fact that they don't have monsters. But if, but if I think about the discussion that we've had so far and the fact that um, there, it's not all doom and gloom, there is a lot of natural ways to buff your units. There's a lot of good things around the shrinking of the board, whether it's through buff auras, whether it's the way that there are less bodies on the table, which means that there's still really good ways to um, play with board control with the underworlds and the teleporting. The fact that objective play has changed a lot and the way that we score victory points now has changed because it's not about how many objectives you control but more about a certain amount of objectives. So you're not punished nearly as hard. And um, and the fact that you've got Reichnor and the Emerald Host, so regardless if you want to go one way or the other, Broken Realms, Bellacore brought, brought in some additional rules that um, I think really have leveled the playing field for Nighthaunt. So I don't see it all as doom and gloom. Are these you, are you the new Archeon or the LRL or Marathi Gotrek combo? No, no. Do you have some really good tools to be competitive and still have a great time at your next tournament? Absolutely. Are you going to be tabled? Well, that's up to you. But I think you are still <laughs> no, like you know, like if if you if you don't play well, you're clearly going to lose all. But yeah. like, it, it's it's you're not you're not taking an understrength force. And yeah. you're, you're playing Nighthawk, man. If you're if you can't roll those four ups, you're you're screwed. <laughs> You've got <laughs> you the tools. You've got the tools. Don't focus. Don't focus on the stuff that you lost, like the 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 re rollings or saves. Uh, instead, look at the amount of re rolls you've got in your army because most most armies lost those re rolls. Most yeah, well, opponents don't have access to that. So the consistency that you've been talking about for this whole almost two hours now, um, a lot of armies have lost it. Don't forget that. Yeah, and I, the the biggest thing I would say to Nighthawk players to really think about is that another thing that is so big that people are not are kind of sleeping on is that people can't. It's very difficult for people to spam immune to battle shock, yes. and Nighthawk is brutal at dealing a lot of damage. And if you have Allender on the table, Allender just existing on the table. If she's within 12 inches of an enemy unit, which if you're Death Starring like I do, she's going to be within 12 inches. Whenever they lose a model, she's just like, you lose another one. Like, yes. just like I fought an Iron Jaws player, totally wrecked him because of that. Like, you know, he has all these heavy wound models and he'd be like, oh, okay, I lose like two guys. I, you lost three guys. And when that's Gorgruntas, that hurts. <laughs> I was going to say, is, is, is it, it, we talked about this as well, like because people aren't taking as much chaff and they are putting more wounds into multi-wound models, they really hurt those ogres, those um, those Stormcast. Um, you know, there's a lot of wounds in those models. Um, and to what Jonathan's already said, and we called this out early, Sons of Behemoth are going to be probably one of the one of the more stronger armies in the game right now. There's just so many rewards as a Gargan player, whether it's through battle tactics, whether it's through um, the board size and just how Suns play on the table. And I know this is not the Sun show, but 
but Nighthorn is actually a really good counter. And um, most of my losses as a, as a Suns player were up against Nighthorn because I wasn't able to do all the damage and the things that I wanted to do because one, you could charge me and stop me from doing all the charge stuff. But two, all my damage is held by Rend. And if you just do that four up, like you've, you've stopped half the damage, the sixes, the fours, the, the big damage. Yeah, and, and two things I want to add for Nighthawk players out there is that one, if you're taking um, Pendant of the Fell Shard, you need to remember that that will make you one of the fastest armies in the game. As far as like, you can have as, you could literally take anything in the Nighthawk army and your minimum movement is nine. I mean, that's a lot and positioning is so important. Um, and the other thing is that um, do not sleep on the underworld. Because I have found the way I use the underworld really, um, instead of like trying to go crazy with summons, is I use it as a defensive tactic. If I'm going up against a person like Caradron or something, and I'm like seeing like a or like Lord Croak and he's got like double Bastilodons or some nonsense, I see a lot of shooting across the table. I will put nearly all of my characters in the underworld at the start of the game. Mm. Um, like Lady Ollander, underworld. Um, but like certain characters will be out, like Valentian will be out because I can afford to lose him and he's just there to eat command points. But like Allender, a lot of those characters will hide in the underworld. That because the thing is, they don't need to be in combat. They're just there to provide buff auras. So as soon as I know that, okay, this is the turn I'm going to fight. My hero phase, I drop all those characters outside of nine, and then the rest of the army just floods past them. That has worked very well for me to prevent mortal wounds from just slapping me in the face before I get across the table. Which is why having cheap heroes like the Canwraith, the Tomb Banshee, the Spirit Torment, just a couple of cheap heroes that can just go up and just be that deathless boost. Um, and then, as you said, keep some of those those heroes. You know, you're worried about Techless. You're worried about, you know, uh, Machine Gun Nagash with these Arcane Bolts or, <laughs> yeah. or probably not in that scenario. But you know what I mean? Like the if you're worried about your, your heroes being sniped really early, yeah, you've got your Underworlds, but make sure you've got a couple of heroes, cheap heroes, you can afford to lose that move the force up and keep keep them synergized and supported as you kind of move up the table. But Yeah, um, and, the, and the, the big thing I found is having, at least for Night Haunts, is we have a it's kind of a good and a bad thing. We have a lot of characters that can do one thing, like you know, the, or well, they do maybe a couple things, but they have like one big thing where it's like, okay, the Guardian of Souls is that plus one to wound guy. The Knight of Shrouds is that plus one to hit guy. The Spirit Torment is the reroll to hit guy. Like so, the bad thing is you have to take a lot of characters. The good news is they're all really cheap, and it means that the opponent does not have an easy decision. Because if someone's fighting me, they're looking at that going, okay. I can try and kill the chain wrath, but if he has any chain wrath left, then he can resurrect like just a stupid amount as long as they're not too low because of the new resurrection rule where you can only resurrect so many minis <laughs> next to other minis. Um, but, or it's like, okay, do I want to get rid of the rerolls to hit? Well, then I need to kill the spirit torment. Or do I want to get rid of all the mortal wounds? Well, then I need to get rid of Lady Ollander. And um, that has, that, like, trying to make your opponent as flustered and confused as possible as far as distraction carnifexes as the saying goes is invaluable like uh especially against not as seasoned opponents as as a as a, a regular nighthorn opponent it grinds my gears because i feel like i'm wasting my attacks <laughs> attacking at uh a, a, essentially a hero that has like five to seven wounds right i put all of because i know you know you ignore half of them because of you know your you know your, your saves are ignoring you know rend um and you got a deathless save as well there's all these th things that happen right so 
a seasoned veteran against death knows that you can't just, you know, do a couple of chip wounds here, chip wounds here, chip wounds here. You've got to concentrate everything at the unit, um, whether it's a hero or a troop. But if I have to waste like a thousand points of focus, just try to take down a five wound hero, it grinds my gears because I'm like, oh, if it wasn't Nighthorn, I could be killing two units. But right now I'm just trying to kill a five wound hero or a six wound hero. But knowing those five or six wound heroes are critical to the collapse of your force. So you're right. It does make a, it does make me feel like I'm having, I'm confused. Like, do I take down the black coach? Do I take down the spirit torment? If you kill the spirit torment, you're like, okay. But if yeah, I don't, it's... but if I but if I don't, then I just enable your force to to kick my ass. So it's it's as you said, it's a fun challenge that and a bit of mind games there as well. But yeah, as opposed um, to like if someone's running Archeon, um, you are you know if someone's running Archeon, you know that if you kill Archeon, you won the game. Um, yeah. Nine times out of ten. Yeah, so yeah. Most people build like their strategy around. Him. Marathi Gotrek, you kill those two, or you kill one of those two, and you know, you, you there's nothing left. So, like as a quick story, if I may, um, so the tournament I played at, um, that I uh so it was the first tournament I've done in third third ed, and it was a lot of fun, but I got first because I went undefeated, and my last game was against the player who had been undefeated in the prior day. So he had already fought through a bunch of really good players that were running Arc, you know, Archaeon Kairos and Gotrek Morathi and all this bullshit. And he was just running a really nasty ogre list. And I spanked the crap out of him because he didn't, he got way too ballsy. So he throws his stone horn forward, thinking, I'm going to smash through his chain rasp and kill Valentian. He runs forward and gets in a fight with me. My chain rasp takes some damage, but they survive. And then my turn comes around. His wizards are out of range because he got cheeky. So I'm like, Soul Cage, Grief Stricken, Shade Mist. And uh, so you fight last in combat. You have minus one to be wound or minus one to wound me, minus one to hit me. I have plus one to hit you and my entire army charges and uh, you fight at the end. He died instantly, even with a two up save that I could not get below a two up, mind you. Uh, he just couldn't save that many dice. He just got swarmed and eaten alive. Um, and that was turn two. <laughs> like it was a really strong character. But, you know, my chain rest, I'm like, okay, I'm going to roll 60 dice. I need threes to hit, reroll fails, and threes to hit, threes to wound, reroll ones. And, like, and I a think lot that's, of people are doing that right now. And I think that's a, that's a probably a really nice way to end the show, and as Sean's laughing his ass off, um, Nighthorn people aren't talking about. No one is talking about Nighthorn. So I think you're going to uh, you're gonna catch your opponent off guard. They're going to think that you're an easy win, potentially. Uh, you don't have a lot of monsters. You don't seem to, like, like this This is the perception of Nighthorn, right, is that they don't have the tools to be competitive. People are talking about, as you said, the Archeon and Kairos. They're talking about Marathi and Gotrek. They're talking about LRL. They're talking about these troops. And I think you'll catch people off guard. And I think that's a perfect way to kind of close out the show because I'm also now should be at work. And well, <laughs> the one the one hour stream has turned out to be a two hour stream, but I've really enjoyed our discussion. And um, I think as a Nighthaunt player, if I was a Nighthaunt player, 
I would feel positive about my force and hopefully have walked away with a few new ideas and maybe considerations. And whether you take a Sotex list or not, you, you take a bit of it and then kind of build around it. Maybe you like a particular model more than others, but like, like take it as your foundation. And then as the game evolves, the meta evolves, we, we start seeing uh, particular battle plans being used at tournaments more than others. Um, at the moment, we don't know what that meta looks like. So um, this list might evolve over time, but it's been a great way to kind of show off the tools. But yeah. before we no, close no off, I go... To... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, please, please, please. <laughs> I was going to say, there's no reason to despair. I don't care what army you play. Like, 3rd edition just started. There's literally no reason to despair because we don't know the game yet. Nobody knows what's going on yet. It's still it's still a brave new world out there. Try new yeah, stuff. play with your toys. See how you go. Try the black coach. Try you know. Try big blocks of thirty. Try lots of different one you know ten man units. Try try it out. See how you go. See what comes up. Um, I think right now the probably the other call out is just hunters of the heartlands is just an absolute battalion you want to be building to your list. If I could run double, and we don't know there's no there's no FAQ just yet, but if I could run doubles double hunters of the heartland. I would. Um, yeah, same here. Same just, here. Just like, just it's an absolute gold mine. But everyone's appreciated the video. Um, who knows when um, when the new battle tome comes out? You, it's probably another good call out. Is that you are probably the third oldest battle tome now. So who knows what's coming? There's obviously uh, Nurgle and um, and Deepkin that's is older than you. But other than that, you know, who knows what's thank, coming? Thank down the God pipeline. for Bellacor. Thank God for Bellacor. <laughs> And if you don't know what we're talking about, go, I've got probably got the back book behind me, but go find the rules for Broken Realms Bellacor because there are two great sub-factions. Yeah, that's a, that's a limited edition one. There's a non-limited edition one. Um, there are two really good sets of rules in there for sub-allegiances. So you've got your Nighthaunt rules plus an extra layer of rules. So I would highly recommend checking that out. But um, who knows when, the, I, don't, I don't know, Archmage. And if I did, I couldn't tell you um so uh and i don't know I, don't, I i honestly don't know but um you can only assume that they will be updated within the next 12 months it would make sense but so tech take us home anything you want to any shout outs people should be checking his channel by the way uh go onto youtube on twitch you do a lot of cool things you play a lot of video games you do law videos you've been doing a lot of covering of the old world as well something that i'm really passionate about i love this this emerging old world game that um I will absolutely be collecting, um, probably playing. But anything yeah, you want to say, bring us home. Uh, yeah, just real quick. Uh, if you want to check me out on live streams, uh, especially for a new podcast I just started called Lorebeards, where I hang out with Great Book of Grudges, we have a lot of old fantasy lore between the two of us. And we also know a lot of things. So we have rumor segments where we talk about ALS and fantasy. If you want to maybe know things that supposedly might be going on. Um those are on Sundays at noon, and you can find me at www.twitch.tv slash loremasterofsotech. I'm um, also on Twitter at twitter.com slash lsotech, where I post a lot of things and go on rants about totally not political things. <laughs> and um, uh, you can also, I have a Discord community, which you can find through my YouTube, and I cover a lot of Warhammer Fantasy Lore and stuff. We do a lot of AOS and tabletop games, which I stream as well. I stream AOS quite often on my Twitch channel. And we're probably going to be trying to set up a tabletop simulator tournament that will have, like, prizes. So, also, I do giveaways. So, like, I'm giving away Bellacor, like the model. 
um, here very soon. So anyway, that's it. I'm done. Man, you're, putting, <laughs> you're putting me to shame. Far out, God, man. I have to step off my game. Um, but I'll put the links. I'll put the links in the show after it renders. But um, mate, this was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for spending some time with us talking about Nighthorn. I feel really positive. I've got a few new ideas and. Um, yeah, like I actually, I think, I think for me, Nighthorn, Nighthorn, I'm like, you know what? They're not, they're not as bad as what people are saying on the internet. They are wrong. Who would have thought people on the internet would be wrong? Who would have thought? (laughs) You think someone would do that? Go on the internet and be wrong? I don't think so. It's just just all all the rage. But Sotek, this has been an absolute pleasure. Go check out his channel. He's a a good man and he knows a lot of things and definitely worth filling in the gap when you're not listening to my content. So I know you're all... If you're from my community and you haven't subbed to AOS Coach, fix that. All right, all right. It's like bromance, like feel the love. Like, can you feel the love tonight? All right, I'm 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 singing now, so I'm singing, so I'm going to log off and go to work. But thanks, guys. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the stream. Thanks for sticking around until the end. I hope you found that video interesting and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would appreciate it if you hit like on the video as well as left me a comment. Let me know what your thoughts are in the comment section below. The conversation will continue over on Discord, so link is down below in the episode description if you want to join the Discord and continue the Age of Sigma conversation. I want to give a massive shout out as well to these absolute bloody legends, these champions who have continued to support me through Patreon or YouTube members. That is going directly into supporting the maintenance and the growth of this channel. So thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated. And until next time, roll more sixes.